commercials, no subscriptions, no network, no rules, and at the end of the day, my friends, no comparison, uh, barely, and really, and no shows since uh, since Thanksgiving. But we're back <laughs> here with uh, the annual year in review with Greg Bishop. I haven't checked how many how long we've been doing this, but uh, well over a decade now. We're probably like in the fifteen yeah fifteen year range. Um, yeah, but yeah, we've seen a lot of shit happen over the last fifteen years. So, so and uh, we'll we'll uh, we talked about this. Uh, we, I think we talked about this like right when twenty twenty started. We talked a lot about like the year two thousand and shit and how things were just mm-hmm. you know how, how things were really different back then and um and then over the years how how for how some of these year in review shows for people who like don't you know who are sick of all the UFO stuff, as I am most of the time nowadays. But uh, there were some years when nothing ever fucking happened. And it was like, it was like, <laughs> it, we were always like, ufology's dead, man. Like, so the biggest story was was always like some mediocre fucking thing that happened that was not even like that big a deal in, in the grand scheme of things. But like, that was the biggest story of the year in, in UFOs. And now it's just like, ah, oh, shit. There's shit popping off all the time now with this with this topic. But uh, as always, my buddy yeah. Greg Bishop is here uh, to to join me in closing the book on uh, on 2022, which uh, I I was I was not a fan of 2022. I really didn't. Uh, it was not not my best year. Nobody was a fan of it. Nobody I know. Somebody sent me a picture of an atomic bomb uh, in a rearview mirror, and I said, yeah, that's pretty much it. I would like yeah. that little image in the rearview mirror to shrink as quickly as possible. <laughs> exactly. Well, it was uh, like, yeah. People are breaking up. I've got, like, three friends that are leaving, mar- like, getting divorced. It's like, what the hell happened last year? So it's, it's, it, was, it was a rough year for everybody. I just thought it was for me. And then I ask around and look around. It's like, wow, everybody, you know, with almost without exception, everybody said, I don't want to, I, I would rather that year be over right now. So, yeah, definitely seems like still know, chopping things into years, but still. Yeah, lingering fallout from the pandemic, it seems. I think that's it. I mean, I think, you know, people are like, Mercury, Mercury retrograde and all that. It's like, I think it's more what you said, Tim. It's like, uh, it's pandemic um, uh, 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 fatigue. Hangover. And 
hangover and then the fallout from everybody's lives and everything being upended. So it's like this big breathe out, and when you you know the, the breathe out, all the all the all the bad air is coming out with that with that out for us. Yeah. So yeah, twenty twenty two. It all feels like it's bled together anyway with twenty twenty. You know, like I was saying, like halfway through this year or or last year, I guess now twenty twenty two. I was like, I don't even like fucking remember twenty twenty one. And I said, oh, it just feels like one long fucking. Yeah, like it it's, it's not a product, and I'm not saying this to rat to like I'm not I'm not busting your balls, so don't don't take it that way because uh, I I am old also now, but is that is that like a product of of becoming old where it just is like you don't really see things in years anymore? You start to see them in decades. I haven't done that yet. Yeah, I'm old. I'm, I think I'm I don't know how many years older than you, but it's it's maybe like ten years old. Yeah, I, think. That, I don't know. Yeah, a lot of people. It's funny. I got people in these like these like little uh, nodes. They're they're ten years old. Well, not really anymore. When I was younger, I had a lot of people who were ten years older than me, and a lot that were ten years younger. Now it's mostly ten years younger because those people either dropped out, I don't see them, or they died. So, yeah. um, I haven't like I haven't thought about you know when I turned fifty. That doesn't. It seems like a long time ago, but it doesn't. I can't. I don't. It doesn't seem like a blur, and I think there's a there's a. Uh, I read an article quite a while back about how people perceive time, and if you have nothing going on, or basically you're going to the same job every day for you know decades and decades, the same routine, time just goes bam. It just you're like, oh god, that was yesterday. But if you've got variety in your life and and um, and you don't have a routine. You've got more fine posts for your brain to lock into certain times when things were happening, because it's yeah, blur. You've got you, you've got you've got little markers. Yeah. And I think it's eight years ago. I just saw a thing where I got laid off my job. I, I found a piece of paper saying you have you know as of today you are being you know not terminated but I was laid off. Yeah. So, and that's when I just I tried to get work for like six months or so, and then you got me a job. Um, but since then, I have not, no day has been like another. They're all pretty much yeah. different. And so it's real easy for me to mark years and time, but it doesn't smear together. I don't remember how long ago something was, but I have a real good idea about when it was, you know, I can I have a real good idea about what was going on that time and about what, when other things were going on. And so it's like, oh yeah, I went to Mexico that year. Oh yeah. You know, that's, uh, so I, uh, so I remember I went to Mexico right at the, when I was in Mexico visiting Miguel, they declared the pandemic, a world pandemic, a day before I left. And yeah. I came back. Probably let you back in the I country. Get back. Well, I came back. I went, I left from the Tijuana airport because the leaving from LA versus Tijuana was something like a third to a half of the, of the airfare. So I just that drove down sense. and parked my car at my parents parents' house, and then my dad drove me to the airport. When I came back, I was just going to Uber it. I get to the airport, and I'm walking through the airport, and I walk out. I'm in Mexico. The, the fence is in front of me. I was like, what, what, what? So I went back in. I was like, hey, what's going on? I mean, I did it in my bad Spanish. And they said, we just closed the border yesterday. You can't come back through here. Shit. Like, well, How'd you get back? How'd I get home? 
They said you have to go through a walk-through border uh, ah. crossing. I said, well, where's the nearest one? They said it's like five miles away. So I had to get a, a Mexican Uber. <laughs> and the whole time Is it called I'm Uber in Mexico? My phone. Yes. I'm looking at okay. my phone to make sure the guy isn't driving me somewhere that's not the border crossing. So right. He's going to kidnap me. You know, I don't know. And I made sure that he saw that I was looking at the map. Yeah. And we get to the border, and he drops you off like a 10-minute walk from the border because there's so many people there trying to get out, I guess. There was, no, there was like this giant line of cars. So he just dropped me off. He says, it's right up there. And it took me like about 10, 15 minutes of all my luggage to walk to the border. I get there. There's like five people in line, and they x-rayed my stuff and said, welcome back. And I was like, you're not going to open – I was thinking, you're not going to open my stuff or question me or anything. Like, like they didn't even care. I could have, I could have smuggled, you know – 4,000 Xanax back across the border, they would have said anything, probably. They're like, there's a fucking <laughs> pandemic. We got bigger things to worry about. Get in here. Yeah. Oh, yeah, shit. I crossed, and I got the American Uber and went back to my parents' house. But it was it was a really weird thing. I just thought, like, well, okay, they've declared a world pandemic. Let's see what happens. <laughs> border closed. <laughs> or at least at the airport, the crossing. You cross through the border at the in the airport. That's what's so convenient about it when it's working. Wow, that's a good deal. Yeah, um, so it's really easy to drive there and then just take the plane from there. I mean, I went from Tijuana to Mexico City, and then for like an extra ninety bucks, I got stuck in first class, which was great. Nice. Yeah. Uh, all right, so that I don't know how we. <laughs> that was, we were talking that, that about was the 2020 year review. One time to the other. <laughs> no, year. I know, I know. Um, so, Greg, you know, as I as I saw on an old uh, on one of those cable TV shows, Greg is a UFO expert, as they described him <laughs> on uh, what the fuck was that show? Und- undeclared or whatever, unclassified, on. Unidentified. It was the uh, the, uh, TTSA Louis Elizondo show. Yeah. Yeah. Years ago. So, as as they describe you, you are a UFO expert, and uh, I cut my teeth in the UFO business, if you will. And so, uh, and that's really probably what people want to start out on anyway. And really, it was uh, ever since that 2017 New York Times article, the UFOs have been the big story, uh, bigger than anything else in the paranormal, pretty much. Uh, you know, it's almost, yeah. I almost want to say, like, it's getting closer and closer, like it's almost moving out of the paranormal now. Almost like how conspiracy theories are super mainstream. It's like UFOs are almost mainstream now where they're not even, they're still paranormal, but they're like in a weird nether region between the two. Uh, worlds, but uh, I guess so. I think they're still paranormal. They're just not popular. They're more popular. That's all. Yeah, um, they're still a, paranormal. But conversation. They're like mainstream. I don't know. It's hard to explain, but uh, yeah, they're a little more mainstream than they were, and more people are looking at it. And the, I've said this before: the one good fallout of all this is more serious people are looking at it. Like more serious academic people and scientists are like, okay, we don't have to be scared of it. And also, they're younger, so they don't have that. They don't have the stigma, that heavy stigma that from you know the 20th century. There's starting to be scientists. People are born at the end of the 20th century, 
or the beginning of the 21st, and they don't, you know, they don't have that, uh, they don't have as many associations with it being uh, taboo or verboten thing to talk about. And I think that's great. I mean, I, 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 that's the best thing to come out of all this kerfuffle with the Tic Tacs and all that was that serious people take it seriously, which is what Stanton Friedman was talking about for years. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm personally, I, I'm, excuse me, no worries. I'm happy with, uh, you know, I find it interesting. I just kind of, I don't like the community as much <laughs> as I, as I used to. I, I like the, I, I like the sort of eccentric, uh, you know, old school ufology types like Stan Friedman and shit. Now it's a little too much like, uh, government-y military type folk, but, there was a lot of that in the eighties, I think, too. So it's kind of maybe it just kind of comes and goes. But the the big story, it is the great wheel, yeah. uh, of the year, I guess, would be the hearings. They had congressional hearings on on UFOs or UAPs. Um, as I've said before, I think I kind of classify this ever since the last five years, let's say, as like the UAP era, if you were going to kind of break things down. Like, they, this is a whole different kettle of fish. It's all this other shit going on. and uh, uh-huh. but It's definitely different from sort of the old school UFO uh, MUFONI days, if you will. So, but be that as it may, they were hearings on UFOs. Um, but, you know, nothing really came out of it. It kind of, to me, was I, – I found the hearings to be pretty good. I, I think the DOD people in charge of this UFO research, they seem genuine to me. But, you know, true to form, uh, if they don't say aliens, these these people are, like, pilloried by by UFO buffs, which to me kind of, like, blows up the – you know, they kind of they kind of showing their true colors, if you will. That that's uh, in my mind. You know, because it's like as soon as they come up there and they're like, "Yeah, well, we have no evidence that these are from another world." No one's like, "Oh, you're fucking covering it up." It's like maybe they just don't have any evidence they're from another world, dude. Like they're, maybe they're giving it their best. None effort. of us have any evidence they're from another world. That's the only thing we can think of. That's why. Exactly. Um. They might be, but there's no way to prove it yet. But I, I, you know, I'll say the same thing I would say about disclosure. It's like the, the people that really want that, they want the government to tell them it's real, but only if they tell them in the way they want to hear it, because otherwise it's right. cover-up. You're not saying it – just like you said, if it's not saying it's coming from another planet, it's like it's, it, it's a lie. So you know, the line I've always been using for the last few years was disclosure is like asking the parent that always lies to you to tell you this tr- the truth just this one time, and if it's not exactly what you want to hear, it's another lie and a cover-up. But the yeah. world doesn't work that way. It just doesn't. And I don't think that the, this, the, the Navy thing wasn't because of disclosure. I think it's because for, for some other deep, unknown reason that we will never know. And it probably has to do with defense and um, technology and uh, like uh, uh, intel gamesmanship and pulling you know, pull, pulling in people that are interested to see who they are, just stuff like that. So it's basically putting out a giant, a giant goddamn like gill net of uh, 
that says UFO all over it, and then they see what they pick up. Yeah. Um, I think that's part of it. But it's not, we're finally going to admit there's UFOs. I mean, it's like, that, that's not that's not what's going on. And I, it's because, I, you know, I kind of imprinted on the Benowitz thing. And that was presented to me as a giant, giant operation. And that uh, the thing I wrote about in Project Beta was a teensy, tiny little bit of it. It was as if, and, and, and uh, Bill Moore said this to me, so take that for what you want, but he's never lied to me or led me astray. He said, imagine the operation with Benowitz in it as a giant play that goes for 24 hours or two days or something with hundreds of different scenes and thousands of different actors. And the Benowitz thing was like 30 seconds of one scene in that big play. Yeah. But there's all kinds of other things going on. The whole rest of that play, we have no idea about. <laughs> and the play was not to, you know, drive Benowitz crazy. The play was, you know, uh, 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 let's, let's mess with the Russians and Chinese and see, see what we can shake out of them and lead them astray, and et cetera, et cetera. And that was a tiny part of it, too. And for the life of me, I can't see this newest thing as being any really different than that in a different way. But it's right, not, right. you know, it's a, the object isn't UFOs are revealing what they are or anything. The object is um, to see what shakes out of announcing this and messing with it and, and putting it out in public. And, you know, who, who comes calling? Who's interested? Um, what what do we plug in there under that rubric and, and um, see who comes sniffing around? Um, also, there may be some kind of hypersonic technology or drone technology or something that is extremely advanced, either ours or somebody else's. And um, no, it doesn't explain everything the pilot saw. But um, if there are real UFOs involved in these things, I think they're spinning it for some other reason, um, even if they don't know what they are. You know, but I mean, yeah. either that or there's some way to project things that look physical. I don't know. I did actually look this up. I actually looked up um, 3D projection uh, technology, and apparently, yeah. at least what I found was you can. Uh, there's a system that takes, um, I think, electromagnetic waves or lasers or something like that, and it traps moisture or dust particles in the air. And it projects onto those so you can get this 3D thing. Yeah. Was, you know, the question I asked was, I wonder if this can be made bigger, and I wonder if it creates a radar return. So who knows? So the, the technology does exist. But they said, it, you know, it can do things like the size of your thumbnail. But if that's being announced, you know, there's a great possibility right. that it's being done much bigger than your thumbnail, like the size of an airplane or something. Who knows? Right, right, right. Now, I had a question for you as a drone man. Now, uh, so the Russians, they said they shot down a ball-shaped UFO, um, like, last week. Can there be drones that are just like a ball, or does it have to be, like, I suppose they could put something around? I don't know. I'm asking that. Can they make a drone that's a ball? Yeah, if the air is coming through it, but it's really inefficient because it, it will block anything that blocks airflow, like a cage. Or something that looks like a ball is gonna yeah. is gonna mess up. It's it's gonna make it less maneuverable, and then have to have more powerful engines so it can pull more air through it. So who knows? And maybe maybe it's with a ducted fan, which is a little bit different. I don't know. Um, also, maybe, whenever something's announced in the news like that, I always think that 
you know, we're seeing what somebody wants us to see about it, not what actually happened. So maybe it was a, you know, maybe it was a plasma ball that some, you know, what's it called? What's it called? Conjugated waveform lasers or something like that, where you you can create a a ball of plasma in midair by aiming two or more lasers at one spot. Um, That's a possibility too. So I, I don't know what they shot down. I don't know what if they even described it. I bet you you'll never hear anything about Just it ball again. Just ball-shaped. Just ball-shaped. That's it. Yeah. So, with the idea being yeah. that it was well, a Ukrainian it drone, they... but they called it a UFO because, you know, they probably didn't want to say it was a U- <laughs> But one one guy said it was like, a U- you know, it was a U- from the Ukrainian terrorists or some shit. and then, But they, they were just like, it's a ball-shaped UFO. So that's why I was like, oh, well, can you make a ball-shaped drone? Uh, I didn't know. Well, there's ball-shaped UFOs everywhere all the time. It's a very common uh, shape. But uh, as far as a drone, um, I don't, I don't think you can make a um, efficient drone that's uh, uh, ball-shaped is round because, like I said, it's you. If it's a drone with a prop in it, a propeller, or two, or three, or five, or eight, it needs. It needs the air flowing efficiently and cleanly around the props to give the proper maneuverability and um, lift. Right. So right. unless they have some a, kind of new conventional, yeah. yeah, I doubt it was a new conventional technology. drone. Yeah, like right, I said, right. it might have been a ducted fan, which is like you could. I guess you could make it look round, but then you have like a fan inside that pulls air through an inlet and shoots it out through an outlet. <laughs> so it makes it, you know, it's with, with the Venturi, it makes the air flow faster and all that. So. Yeah, I'd be like, know. why would you I, do I, that? I really yeah. haven't looked at that. I don't. Um, I don't know why they said that. It's probably just to draw attention to something or let somebody know somebody noticed something. That's all. Like we yeah. know what you're doing. We saw it. We said we shot it down. They may or may have not shot it down, but it was just to send a message to somebody through the media. I don't know. That that's done all the time. Yeah. Well, there's video of like some kind of shoot down, but. I don't know. It's pretty lousy video. It's like a rocket going up, hitting something, and that's it. So it's like, well, they launch a rocket at something, and it's something, it seems. So who knows? Yeah. But you can you never tell with Russia and all that. Yeah. No, you never can. Um, uh, in, in any kind of defense situation, you're not going to tell exactly what happened because you don't want your enemy to know. So. Right, right. Uh, I kind of went on an extended rant about the hearings and the – DOD uh, on the Thanksgiving episode, but just to sort of reiterate, like, there seems to be like a lot of confusion in some quarters about this DOD thing, where it's like, they're just investigating, like, recent things that have happened. They're they're not supposed to, they're not in charge of, like, uh, well, we'll get to this in a minute. They they passed a new omnibus budget, or whatever it's called, and in there was, like, a directive for the DOD to study as far back as like 1945 or something, what the government knew about UFOs. So that could be very interesting what they come up with um, with regards to that. But in the hearing, it was kind of like, <coughs> you know, it was frustrating for me because you got Congress people who should know this, who were like, well, what about nuclear UFOs over nuclear bases back in 1968? And it's like, this fucking like the congressman who asked like wasn't even born until like the 1980s. It's like, dude, no one like these people are trying to figure out what the pilots are seeing now, dude. That's what they've been tasked with. It's not their job to figure out what 
was seen over Malmstrom Air Force Base in 1968. That's like a whole if you if you want them to investigate that, then you have to change the thing, which apparently they they're kind of doing. So, um, but it, to me, it was just kind of like, what's that? Nothing. I was just saying it would make sense for perspective for them to go back and mine the data from back then and see if there were any answers or hints in it that people haven't uh, looked at because they just haven't mined the data properly. Um. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because I think if you take, you know, reams of this data and filter it in different ways or filter it in ways that people hadn't thought of before, you might see patterns come up. I mean, that's the only thing I can think of by actually looking at old cases and old data is that you might be able to see patterns. Whether they're important or not, who knows, but using, you know, computer analysis and AI or whatever, you might be able to find some pattern that seems to make sense. But... Since we haven't found it yet, I don't know if uh, applying this like high-level uh, data crunching to it is going to make much difference. But we know the government and the government, you know, they, they're very, especially the military, they're very data results and process oriented. So um, that's probably what they're going to do with it. I didn't watch the hearings because I kind of didn't think it was going to make any difference. And I know you had to because it's part of your job. But um, yeah. as far as I can tell for right now, it really hasn't made any difference. And then it's just – I think it for some of these Congress people, I think they're actually interested in the subject. And they kind of like they thought, well, maybe we can, you know, use Cong- – we can use our power here to find out a little bit about it, just like the aviary did in the 80s. They were just trying to find out what the government knew, and they couldn't find out. Or if they did, we never heard about it. Right, right. Well, we're definitely seeing – as I mentioned with this omnibus thing, we're definitely seeing them, Congress-like, sort of direct the Pentagon to do things like that previously they hadn't. Like I said, this study and looking back at what the government knew about UFOs and shit and all that. So it's, you know, there's a certain proactiveness on the part of Congress, which is good, which is good. Um, But, you know... It's a very just tricky thing, as we've talked about before. It's like there's secret technology, there's sources and methods and all that shit, and it's like, look, if it's not aliens, yeah. and they're, they're kind of caught in, in a tough – I mean, I felt bad almost for the people who were from the, from the Pentagon who were like <laughs> who, who were in charge of looking into this because it's like – uh, if it's if it's anything like look it's chi- like look it's Chinese drones or whatever it's like they can't they really kind of maybe they didn't want to tell everybody this. So, so, well, so that's why like, they had the closed session afterwards. Right. Um, which connects to the other note I had here about UFOs year and year. So then they gave Congress a report on Halloween, and it was supposed to be released <laughs> to the public. It hasn't been. A, you know, a declassified version. They were even like at the end of this year, or last year, uh, they did a press conference, and they were like, "We're going to have the report for you by the end of the year." And it's like, <laughs> there's been no, there's been no fucking report. Um, but not. part of it got like somebody told the fucking New York Times essentially what was in it, and they were like, they said, I think they said something like the vast majority of these cases are uh, foreign. Foreign, you know, as, you know, foreign technology or trash. Technology, yeah. Um, and I think they debunked. 
the big videos, the Tic Tac and the other one, and pretty sure they they broke those down and were like, no, this is what it was, and explained it and shit. But it's very hard okay. to get a read on it because they the haven't. Was. Yeah. It's in the Times article, but they haven't released the actual report to the public yet. So I kind of just want to wait to see what oh, they well, say. But we, we don't know if they did or not. Then who knows? Right, I right. Want to see one of those things like skeptics come up with like this explains everything. It's like yeah, if you ignore about half or more of the data, yeah, it does explain it, which is usually yeah, what happens. I'd, I'd need to see what they had to say in the report, but that that was my understanding of it. Uh-huh. They were like, these aren't, <clears throat> you know, these aren't that, th- this is what it is, essentially. Um, so, and, so I don't know. Well, I mean, we'll just see what happens. I, 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 I don't think we're any closer to, like, I mean, everybody, not everybody, but, like, the UFO community, I mean, they're just driven by the one thing, and that's, like, aliens. So, yes. it's, Show you know, the to aliens. them, it's Show like, the aliens, yeah. right, it's the aliens. So, to me, it's like, ah, I don't really, it's, I think we've, I think I've talked about this on the show before, I don't know if it was with you or what, but it's like, even reading the thing from the press conference and shit, it's just like, you know, it's cool the government's interested in this, but fuck, if they turn this into, like, such a boring fucking thing, where it's like, even the name well, of the, like, the, the UFO, yeah, even the name of the UFO desk is, like, some ridiculous fucking five-letter acronym that's just, just fucking, like, puts you to sleep by the time you're done reading it, and it's like, this is supposed to be about <laughs> aliens, man, like, you know, but they're really careful, they're like, no, 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 it's not aliens we're looking at, it's, Unidentified aerial phenomena in place of blah, blah, blah. it's like all right, dude. So yeah, to me, uh, you know, I'm I'm of the show me the fucking aliens camp where it's just like I'm kind of worn out from like a lot of this like, oh well, I know things and I've seen things and oh the government has things they have th- they have footage that that proves this conclusively. It's like well. Well, you know, dude, I've heard enough about it. I'm tired of hearing about it. Like, let's see, let's see this footage, or, or you know, stop talking about it. You know. Yeah, we're we're. It, I don't think it's. I don't know. I don't think it's able to be caught on on uh, on a visual medium, at least in a way that convinces anybody, or we'd have that by now. Right. Right. We don't exactly. Think One would think. Us. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it can be caught. I don't think it. I don't think it adheres to our standards of of uh, evidence that we're used to. It just it, it won't. It's like I'm trying to think of a good analogy. It's like trying to prove. It's like trying to prove. Um, I don't know. Animals exist by looking at fruit or something. I. I you know. It's just. It's a yeah. cross purposes thing. It's not. It's not going to show up on cameras properly. Everybody's like, oh, it's always blurry. It's like, well, there might be a reason for that. It might be because that's just the nature of what it is. Yeah. Um, I don't, in in a lot of ways. And so if you look for the reality there, it's not going to happen. But the reality of how people are affected and their memories and sometimes physical traces and stuff, that's real. But, (laughs) you know, it's not reproducible on demand. So it's just going to be in that nebulous area for quite a while until we learn how to change our rules for evidence. And I don't know when that's going to happen. 
Um, I was going to, I was uh, thinking about putting an anthology together of different writing and the, and the, um, the theme was going to be, it exists. What do we do about it? You know? Yeah. There's something going on. I'm convinced there's something going on that's not that's not natural or explainable or whatever. But past that, what are people's ideas about this? You know, what do, yeah. what do we do about it? How do we how do we start to engage with it to the point where it makes sense in the way that you know explaining space travel makes sense or whatever, so everybody can understand it. But we're way yeah. way 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 far away from that so far. Yeah, well, I'm I'm in so, agreement that I, I I definitely think something's happening, um, but I don't I think it's like a parallel to whatever we're seeing with the with the government and shit. I think that you know I I, I I'm more in line with what they're saying, which is like it's just garbage and other uh you know other countries shit. So yeah. you know, but like you say yeah, that he'll get I don't think that's... upset. And it's like look, that doesn't mean it's not fucking. That doesn't mean there's not fucking aliens flying over, you know, uh, Tucson right now. Like, that doesn't preclude aliens. <laughs> it's like, come on. No, it just means not. It just means not proven. And not uh, proven is fine. I don't know why you. I mean, if it's this idea that somebody could say, say I told you so, because Big Brother now says it's true. See, see, I told you so. Yeah, but if that's there's what a you big. Want, that's your ego talking. It has nothing to do with proving UFOs are going on. It's just like, you know, I want to be vindicated for this, this uh, interest I've had for, you know, years or my all my life or whatever. Yeah. That's a bad motivation. A wall with, That's a mad motivation to do anything. Anyone who speaks with, like, this certainty that we know what, that these are aliens. It's like, no, no, yeah. we don't, dude. We don't know they're fucking aliens. Like, stop, yeah. you know, stop with that. But I think a lot of people... Are are of that mindset, and they can't break yeah. out of it. So it's like when the DOD goes up there, and they're like, "Look, we looked at this shit. It's not from another world. It's this, that, the other thing." And they're like, "You're fucking lying." It's like, man, yeah. like, come on, yeah. like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not like they're saying this about some incontrovertible, like, yeah. like a fucking alien getting out of a flying saucer. It's like, it this shit. We don't know yeah. what this shit was. So they looked at it, and they told us what they think it is. Yeah, and it's equally annoying to me when people on the other side of it that that believe that absolutely, there's absolutely nothing there. That's just as annoying or more to me than people that think there's aliens. It's just like, do you just refuse to see things? You, what is wrong with you? I've been on a couple of shows, and they said, well, a skeptic said this, and a skeptic said that. And I was like, I don't give a shit what a skeptic says because they're holding back ideas. Just like saying, it doesn't exist. You haven't proved it exists. It does exist. Shut up. But the point is, you know, that whatever it is is not what believers or skeptics think it is or it isn't. It's something, I think it's something wholly different that we can't even deal with yet. And it just pokes yeah. over our reality and we see it as what we want it, want to see. Just like, you know, uh, uh, it's, that's been going on for hundreds of years. I mean, if you read, you know, Wonders in the Sky, the Valet and Chris Aubeck book, or even Chris Aubeck's recent book, um, about ideas of extraterrestrial life. Um, it's changed over the years. There's some themes that have, have been, you know, around. It's called, yeah, his book's called Alien Artifact. It just came out. But our ideas about whatever's going on have always been ruled by, obviously, what's going on at the time. For a while, one fascinating thing in his book was 
people thought that um, aliens were coming here on meteorites. And the meteorites would like just break off a planet and all of its, somehow the things on it would survive and they would come screaming through space and crash into the earth. (laughs) (laughs) That's what UFOs were like in the 18th century. Um, And yeah, and one great story, if I can't get too far off the beam here, but one great story was they, one scientist in France, I think in the late seven, late seventeen or early late eighteen or early 19, late seventeen or early eighteen hundreds, said that Australia was just a huge meteorite that landed there. That's why all the weird stuff that lived there lived there because it came from another planet. That's a great theory. I like that theory though. That's fantastic. <laughs> like Australia just broke yeah. off from another planet, fell onto our planet, and just kept on going. Like, like yeah. it's just so bizarre. Like, it's madness in a way where it's like, how could you – like, I think everything would fucking die, dude. Like, yeah, I if know. not – But this was, a, yeah. this was a credentialed scientist at the time apparently presenting this to an academy of sciences as a lecture. That's and awesome. And it sounds totally ridiculous to us. But it happened, and this is what people thought at the time. And so now it's, you know, we, we – you know, we have different ideas about how they get here, but we still have beliefs and things coming from other planets. And, you know, the old depictions weren't like things with three heads or anything. They were just, every time they showed aliens, they all just basically looked like humans. Either they were, you know, they're always white, strangely enough, and they're either, like, usually bigger or sometimes smaller than, than, than normal humans. And, uh, well, yeah, one, one of the stories was a, a meteorite that crashed and it's like – this prospector found it, and it was made up for a paper. And he found, like, a little tomb inside it, and there was, like, a dead alien inside the meteorite that had landed, like, in the Rockies somewhere. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. And, like, you know, uh, artifacts and weird alien writing. It's like all the stuff we're talking about now was, 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 um, was, was written as fiction, like, in the last couple hundred years, a lot of it. Yeah, and it, it, yeah. it's not that it's not that it's the same thing, and people are building on it or whatever. But I think another thing I asked him that he came up is he said they did a study somewhere. I guess somebody could look it up. They asked people who had like children and people who had never heard of UFOs and aliens and all that to make up stories about it, and they're pretty much what people think anyway. Yeah. So we have the capacity to to. to uh, uh, imagine something that's pretty much the scenarios that, in a lot of ways, the scenarios we're dealing with now, like Roswell and, and abductions and all this other stuff. And I'm not to say people are going to say, "Oh, you think that we made it all up?" It's like, no, I think something's happening, but we have to put it in context. So we put it in the context that makes sense to us, no matter what it is, because we have to deal with it and we have to remember it. And if it's traumatic, we have to, you know, reconcile it in our brains so we don't go nuts. And so we have all these wonderful metaphors and stories to go to, subconsciously exactly. or not. I would so say I don't know what the UFO thing is, but I don't think we're seeing it for what it is. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it, and I, I think if the people who are looking for disclosure, I would suggest that uh, they'll they'll get it maybe in the next year or two in the form of fucking like alien like microbial life found even if it's like uh remnants like dead microbial life or whatever like found on mars like i think that'll be yeah, or, or in that'll be the change that. yeah. what's that so the, 
the, uh, the moon of Saturn, I think, Enceladus, that has the uh, ice geysers and stuff. It's got a liquid ocean, salty liquid water ocean core, and there could be things living in there, and that might be, you know, some sort of life, microbial or bigger. And when that happens, there will be, you know, that, that'll be a, a huge change because then they can say, well, if, if multicellular life can exist somewhere else, it can exist anywhere else. Exactly, yeah. Well, they are taking back, they're sending back a bunch of samples from Mars soon, I think, and uh, supposedly the, the aim was to look for that kind of shit. So once they say that, then they'll be like, okay, life, we know for sure life can exist, you know. Even in a, even in a little rinky-dink form uh, out there, then yeah. then that'll well, kind of set the stage for yeah. Well, it can. That's yeah. A, yeah. Well, they have to go. They have <laughs> to go pick up the samples. They're not getting sent back. I think they have to wait till a manned mission actually goes, or maybe an unmanned mission, but a manned mission actually goes there and picks up the samples and sends them back somehow. I thought they had um, some set up to send it back, but I don't know. Maybe not. Not not um, now. They basically take core samples, put them in little things. Um, seal them and just dump them on the on the on the surface and mark where they are so that when anybody when somebody gets there they can pick them up. We'll better watch kind of out because if you're there already, yeah. But it, it means you don't have to bring the equipment to do it because the probe already did it. Because any anything yeah, yeah, you put on a rocket to, to go over there is going to be any kind of weight is going to be precious because it's going to cost you know a pound is going to cost a hundred thousand dollars to put it up into orbit and send it to Mars. So. Um, it's uh, also, you know, I don't think they've solved how to get there yet without people turning into jelly because of the lack of, of uh, gravity. So that'll be a while. Yeah. That, go there, no, matter, no, matter what, no matter what crazy Elon Musk says. I was just going to say, yeah, well, Elon Musk is going to – because I would definitely put my trust in him to send me fucking anywhere at this point. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> I don't think there's anything wrong with his rocket program. I think they've done a great job. It's just that he's gone insane because rich people with nobody saying you're full of crap to them often co- turn crazy. Yeah. Well, let's put it this way. If he wants to start a Mars colony, I don't. I wouldn't want to live in a world where he's the Mars. <laughs> where right. He's, he's the, yeah, he's the emperor of Mars. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, he may be able to get me there, so but I wouldn't want to fucking be stuck there <laughs> under his under his rule. Yeah. So, so yeah. Oh, you yeah. know, on his he, on a whim, he'd where he's probably, like, he'd probably be, he probably be assassinated in a month. <laughs> yeah, or he's just yeah, he's just like I don't I don't like the way things are going here. I'm just going to open the airlock on all of you fucks, and we'll start over. It's like what, <laughs> what, dude, no. <laughs> so yeah, I, he's a little too, he's a little too impetuous for me. Um, it sounds like but a I mean, that's it, really. Science fiction story, murder on Mars. Exactly. Yeah. It's like you get the trip to Mars and then it's like I heard that theorized too where it's like um that like the deal would be like it's so expensive to send you to Mars that like you would have to volunteer to fucking be essentially like an indentured servant for like three years working to help set up Mars and it's like I don't know. You really gotta you really gotta wanna go to Mars to do that, I guess. I mean if somebody wants to yeah. go to Mars and be an indentured slave for fucking like five years to Elon Musk, go for it. But to me, I, I, I'm out. <laughs> like that's not, yeah. that's not my idea also, of a good time. Also, at this point, it's a one-way trip. So whoever goes there first will probably never leave. 
Um, yeah. Because of they got to find they got to find a way to get people off the planet and either carry enough fuel or find a way to make fuel from whatever's there. So. Yeah, well, that well, I'll jump down to my other note here, which is uh, I, I guess we could. Did you you said you had a rant about disclosure, but you may have already leafed it. You may have already le- put it I through. Think in I think I released that rant already. <laughs> I already already uh, I already uh, ejected that rant. So yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think we're talking to a very uh, specific audience tonight, anyway, who know where we stand, and I think they're in agreement with us that like we're not on the cusp of Biden coming out and being like aliens are real. Like it's just not. I don't know where the fuck. I don't know. I don't know why people think this is a possibility, but they do. So you know, it's yeah, and every time something happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's like every time all those congressional things, they get amped up like they're going to find out some thing, and it's like they never fucking tell us this. So, like, it's somewhere you got to figure out they're not yeah. going to tell us. Yeah, how many times do they have to say wolf to you realize there's no wolf there? How many times do they yell disclosure after you realize there's no disclosure there? So it's just it's, the motivation for the military and the government and all that is way different than your motivation for having them admit there's aliens here. That's a that's to me that to, to them it's just an annoying thing they have to deal with. Well, they try to figure out what it is, how to deal with it, and exactly, and, yeah, and uh, how to use it for information and, and propaganda and, and uh, other purposes, intelligence. Exactly, exactly. Um, so we'll leave that behind and move to. Uh, I'm going to skip ahead a little bit because we're talking about Mars and everything else. So the to me, what was one of the more exciting stories of the year was the Artemis launch. Um, not yeah. so much this, this specific launch, but it's like, okay, for, uh, we talk about disclosure and shit and everything, and it's like for all these years we've heard them like talking about going back to the moon. This was like the first time I've seen them. Like, it was like the first concrete actual motion towards getting back to the moon. And it's like, oh, shit, they really are going to try and go back to the moon. And it's it could happen within the next – by the end of the decade, let's say. I think with delays, yeah. I think they're aiming for like 2025, 2026, but you know how it is. So I would say by the end yeah. of the decade, I think we may see another moon landing, which would be awesome because it would happen before I was born. So I never actually saw anyone land on the moon. Yeah, see here here's our here's our age difference. My dad called me into the room and he said he said they're about to land on the moon. Get in here. So I actually saw it happen. <laughs> you know, I was I was a you know, I could barely understand what was going on, but I saw it happen. I think I remember it because of course you've seen it hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times after. Right, right. But apparently I was sitting in the room when it was going out live on TV, so well, every moonshot or every Apollo mission, my dad would tell me to come in and watch because he realized it was historic and that I should see it. And plus, he'd worked on rocket fuel. That was his first job. They were using technology well, I, he, had, he had actually patented. I'm sure it was different for you in that regard, but I, it does say something about us as a species or what, or a country maybe or something that, like, I think part of the reason why, because it was expensive and a whole bunch of other reasons, but, like, part of the reason, too, why they just stopped going to the moon was, like, just no one really fucking cared anymore. Like, I, I, think, I thought I heard that. Like, by the end, by the time they were sent, like, the time the last moon landing happened, it was just kind of like, people were already like, yeah, all right, well, you send another guy to the moon. You know, so it's just, so this yeah. fantastical 
fucking accomplishment once you do it like three or four times. Like no one's it's like, all right, what yeah. else are you going to do? Yeah, no, you, and now, you can't really. And the thing is that it, it was started for basically for propaganda purposes and equally for, you know, to, as uh, techno, I think as technology um, proof of concept and all that. And um, after a while, you know, we'd already won and the tech, you know, and the, um, and the feedback on the on the research and technology was flowing down to a point where I think they were either had enough data or they're getting so much they weren't even actually able to use it all or take keep track of it or um, go through it. And so they just and then it became unpopular and people like you said were sick of it. So they just that's why they shut it down. I mean, there, how many went? Eleven to seventeen. So six missions went there. Yeah. Seventeen or twelve. Um, yeah, and it astounds me. I mean, I understand. Well, I don't understand like. From a twenty oh, twenty thirteen that didn't didn't land. Yeah. Right. Well, I, I it it astounds me because they're talking about this Artemis and when they do land on the moon in like let's say five years, uh, it's going to be uh, the first woman and person of color to walk on the moon. And it's like I guess I knew that, but it didn't dawn on me. It's like there's never been a woman on the moon. Like it's like Jesus, they oh. really they really were pretty fucking backward back then that it was like they they it never it never dawned on them to be like hey maybe we should maybe we should have a woman also do this too or something you know it's just like just I really think there were women in the yeah in the astronaut program i think there's a documentary on it Sally Ride right they just said look no no in the, way back they were recruiting oh, okay women. see i don't know anything about this era, but, so but because i think mainly i mean I don't think the people at that time, the engineers and the and the, the people that were taking were doing everything, really thought that it was a priority to put women on the moon or in space. But they just didn't right. do anything about it, even though they brought women in and tested them and had them qualified or almost virtually qualified to do it. It just kind of died a quiet death because nobody could see like, no, we can't have women doing that, like because there was a different idea back then, and women had a different place in society then, and. Since that's been thankfully cleared up, hopefully we can see that. Yeah, there's been plenty of women in space. The first woman in space was uh, Russian, Valentina Tereshkova, I think was her name. Yeah. And yeah, I think they just, sent yeah, more than one woman up, actually. It's just one of those, yeah, it's just kind of one of those things where it's like, it, I, it, I never really gave it much thought, and then it was like, Jesus, they really, they really were like... Incredibly, like narrow-minded sexist back then. It, uh, you know, it's. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I think I'm, that's basically what I was yeah. saying. But yeah. Yeah. So, so we'll see. I'm, I'm glad that's changing, just like everything else. So it's it's yeah. in progress, and it'll keep going. Intelligent people know, you know, know that it's stupid to to do things like that. So, and intelligent people run the space program. So it has nothing to do with any affirmative action or anything dumb like that. It's just kind of like. <laughs> If somebody's qualified, they should go. Exactly. And you yeah. know, if they and if you know the 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 bonus is that they can say, look, we're you're, you know we're writing this wrong that happened here decades ago, and maybe the first person on the moon after all this will be a woman. I hope, or you know, or a Hispanic or a black person or whatever, American. So we'll see. So yeah, we'll see what happens. The next launch is. Uh... I think it's supposed to be like this year, maybe, or like next year, and that's going to have people probably in it. Send, yeah, they're probably going to send them around the moon. Yeah, and it's going to do a loop around the moon. Concept stuff. 
Yeah, and if that yeah, works, that, then the um, third launch is the moon landing. Yeah, yeah. So, so they're they're still testing. Apparently, some things went wrong on the on the Artemis mission, but nothing catastrophic. But then I think there were a couple things that could have been. So they're taking a look at that too. Yeah, it's it's crazy because again, I don't really I don't know this era too well because I didn't grow up in uh, during the space race or whatever, but. Um, yeah, I mean, well, what Apollo 11 is the one that landed on the fucking moon, right? So it's like they had the 10, first one, yeah. and Apollo 1, like, blew up on on the landing pad or whatever. Um, but it's like, uh, so they had, like, 10. Trip, there was a fire. Right, right, right. Was there, But they didn't, that was the Apollo 1, right? They didn't, they, then they went right to Apollo yeah, 2. Yeah, so they, ne- they right? never launched it because the, cause the three astronauts, uh, I can't, Cernan and I can't remember the three. But the, th- the three astronauts died in an in-cabin fire, so that was the end of Apollo 1. So, and it put everything the, on hold for, like, months. Well, was 11 always the one that was going to land on the moon, or was it, like, or could it have been 8 or 9 or 12, or, like, was it always sort of, like, sure. step by step? I think it was step by step, and then, you know, a few launches before, they're like, okay, this is the one, because, you know, Wanted, you know, the first ones had just gone up uh, a couple times. The other, the next ones did, you know, the what's that called? Translunar injection, where they actually initiate a burn that, that sends them towards the moon. They went around the moon, and um, I don't know the exact uh, what each uh, what each Apollo did, but yeah, definitely eleven was the first one that landed, and after that, you know, same system basically flight changes, and then one took a one took a rover, so they could go drive it around on the moon. Um, this giant battery right, right. weighed a gazillion pounds. So I, I, yeah, I guess the Orion point Space I was trying to make is just that it's pretty awesome, I guess, that they're, they've got this down to just a three-step. Like, <laughs> so instead of uh, ten steps, they've got it down to three. So, And hopefully if they can... If the third one goes well and they land people on the moon, I would presume they're going to keep sending people to the fucking moon. But who knows? Yeah, well, they are because it's a it's a jumping off place, and also um, I, there's an idea to mine helium three because it's in abundance on the moon, and there's almost none of it here. And I think it costs way more to produce it here than just to actually spend all the money to fly the, to the moon, mine as much of it as possible, and bring it back because it's going to be it's the best. Um, uh, fuel for fusion reactors. Ah. So that's a huge like that that that's been there's been people like Bigelow and other people jockeying for a position to try and get the first um, the first uh, contract to mine helium three. Uh, so that 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 that's another that's another reason why they're going there. I think. Um, and this so, one didn't yeah. actually orbit the moon. It orbited it in this weird what's it called a retro. A retrograde orbit, a distant retrograde orbit, which means it, mo- it orbited the moon like at a figure eight. Yeah, yeah. It went like further out than any uh, moon mission yeah. had gone before or something. It was, yeah, it was a weird, it was a weird like uh, route that it took. Um, mm-hmm. So who knows? So yeah, maybe in a two or three or four, well, yeah, maybe in like five years we'll be talking about the uh, the big moon landing. So we have that to look forward to. I hope so. I yeah, hope I'm alive be awesome, dude. And I, I, well, I will be unless I get a huge car wreck or something. I should be fine. The other thing people have asked is like, would you go to space if you could? I think yes, immediately. Stick me in a rock and send me up there. I, I would love it. Like, what if you I'd die? I'd probably go. 
well, you're, you're going to die in a bed. I'm going to die burning up in the atmosphere, so I'd rather do that. <laughs> if that's yeah, it's, yeah, that's not a it's not a bad way to look at. It. It's like better than being hit by a truck. At least you're, you know, yeah. at least you're, <laughs> like I don't know how great it is to be famous, but like at least or infamous, you have your death be infamous or whatever. But it's like everybody remember you as the, as the guy who, who who blew up in the rocket there. But but that's another thing yeah, too I don't, that I don't. that go ahead. I mean, uh, you know what he wants to talk about it because it's like bad mojo or whatever. But it's like they're raw. I don't know if it was you I talked about this with or somebody else. But it's getting to the point now, anyway, where it's like they're launching rockets like every fucking day. And as we get older, as more time goes by, and this space industry keeps growing and shit, it's just going to get to the point where they're they're launching every like two, three, four rockets a day. It's going to be like airplanes soon. Um, yeah. And eventually, something bad will happen, uh, you know. And we'll, I will just have to see what happens after that, because usually that kind of grinds everything to a halt for a long time. So yeah, because um, I got to check out what happened and what's wrong and yeah. all that. Yeah. So yeah, of course it'll happen, but, but but and hopefully it doesn't. But you know, people will keep going into space. That's just what they do. I, I would. Yeah, I, you get, you if know. somebody had crashed right before me and I was going up as an astronaut. I'd be really, really confident that something wasn't going to happen again right after. <laughs> Just like yeah, when exactly. I go when I fly, yeah. I don't want people to die. But if there's a there's an there's an accident somewhere in the world with an aircraft, for whatever reason, um, I think it, it, it the closer it is to when I fly makes it less likely that something's going to happen. Yeah, just the odds. Yeah, Uh, just the odds should be in your favor. And you don't want that to happen. And, yeah, since 9-11, planes have been a lot lot more reliable and a lot safer because things are checked a lot more carefully than they used to be, and I think it shows on the record of accidents since since 9-11. Yeah. Um, So, all right, that's the Artemis. So the other big story – uh, for 2022, um, I kind of just cherry picked some of these that I thought were, uh, yeah, I guess, one. like sort of would stand out in the in the in the you know in the history book. Like if we look back on all these shows we've done and shit, like what kind of stories? But uh, the Somerton Man mystery in Australia, which is like one of the most famous sort of uh, true crimey mystery stories, um, was solved. I don't have it in front of me, but the general – what's interesting is they, it was solved the same way they seem to be solving a lot of these other cold cases. This genealogical DNA research has been a boon for uh, all sorts of uh, research, and in, mostly into true crime stuff. But essentially what they did was they got the DNA from the Somerton man – they developed a fucking massive like family tree uh, of, of of four thousand yeah, people. Yeah, they can fit him into it. Yeah. Yeah, and they managed to trace it back and figure out that uh, he was a man named Carl Charles in quotes. So Carl Charles Webb, uh, an electrical engineer, and and they pretty much know with certainty that that's that's uh that's who it is. Maybe so, you should um, maybe you should tell the story of who that person was because it's kind of a weird a story that where he was found on the beach at like six thirty in the morning or something. I can't remember. I can't even remember yeah. the year this happened. 
It happened in 1948. He was found on Somerton Park Beach in the city of Adelaide. Um, he had no identification on him. So uh, he had a suitcase full of clothes with the labels removed, and in his pocket was a scrap of paper with the Farsi word Talman should, which means it's finished. And so... Over they did a you know they did a general investigation in 1948 was, to try yeah. and figure it out and it was and they torn couldn't. from a from the it was torn from the Rubaiyat of Omar Khayyam a a, a a a fictional book right so well, it wasn't actually written it was printed from that book anyway go ahead well they couldn't figure out who it was they did a general investigation at the time um, it, it became kind of like some kind no of no DNA or anything yeah yep. they had no DNA of course yeah so. They studied it. They couldn't figure it out through old-fashioned um, police detective work in the 40s and 50s or whatever. And then eventually, um, this guy, Derek Abbott of University of Adelaide, he's been studying the mystery for decades. Um, he was able – they let him ha- get his hands on – now, this is how crazy it is. A decade ago, he got – he was given hairs – from a plaster death mask that was made of the Somerton Man, presumably in 1948. So then they took the hairs, they got a mm-hmm. DNA profile. So again, 10 years ago, though, um, so that's how long it took him just from getting this DNA. And and then he enlisted uh, forensic genealogist Colleen Fitzpatrick, and they made this 4,000-person family tree and pretty much, um, you know, unraveled the mystery. And I haven't seen... The it was a matter of only a matter of time, I guess, because they they had exhumed the Somerton man in twenty twenty one with the, the government did, with the intention of essentially doing the same thing. So uh yeah. I don't think the government has announced what they found yet, but it's pretty it's pretty cut and dry that this is who the guy is, I guess. So and well, they have a whole bat there's no yeah, real What's that? I would say any explanation as to why he was found there, even though they know who he is, like what was going on with his family? Did he just leave? Did yeah, he have a family? What? The story is that his wife left him, or he no, he left his wife. He vanished uh, from the public record. They don't necessarily know what the deal is, why he vanished from the public record. Then his wife went to court uh, and got a divorce. Because he had disappeared, she wanted to divorce, get a divorce. So he had somehow, he for some reason, yeah. he had disappeared. Um, and then she later moved to an area close to where the body was found. So they think maybe he had gone there because he they had lived in a different part of Australia when all this went down. So she had moved to Somerton area, and then he fucking went there. They think maybe to try and find her, but that's it. So, uh-huh. um, you know, it's nearly impossible, really, to know, like, what the motivation was, you know, like, why he was down there in Somerton and shit. But that that seems to be the theory. Uh-huh. But that's it. I mean, it's kind of one of those. Okay. These mysteries are always, when they get the answer to these mysteries, they're always, like, way more mundane than the imagination originally you know, because a lot of people were like, when they were looking at it over the years, it was like he was a spy, and he was like, it's like, or 
where he was like running from the law or all this other shit. And it's like a lot of these times it doesn't turn out to be that uh, that fantastic. I don't think they've explained the uh, – um, oh, what's that Spaceman picture? What was the name of that one? The one oh, with the picture of the Spaceman in the background? Yeah. I don't think that's been explained as anything yet. Like a you know a double exposure or whatever. I I haven't heard of any explanation. Yeah, I'd have to look. I thought it did get explained, but it, I, I don't know. I don't think anyone's like definitively. The, the, yeah, I just the Solway Firth spaceman. Um. So the next big story of 2022, after the Somerton Man mystery being solved, is uh, on my list here. A little closer to home, the Georgia Guidestones are blown up, which was a huge story, uh, I thought, and and <clears throat> on a number of levels. It was a very dis- dispiriting story because, uh, I mean, even though the Guidestones, I, I, I give them no pass here. The people that built the Guidestones were pretty lousy people, from what I understand, from the research of uh, Dr. Future and um, – you know, I think they were like white nationalists or something like that, or white supremacists, or Christian nationalists, or just the, of that ilk. Yeah. Um. So the but but it, I I, was, I guess I could kind of I in my mind kind of separate that they were lousy people, but as a kitschy thing, like the Guidestones, I always kind of like had an affinity for them as sort of a kitschy roadside attraction of like. Only that, that that like terrified conspiracy theorists and shit. Um, so to hear that they were yeah, blown up were was blown like up. pretty crazy. Yeah. So the whole thing is, ironically, uh, uh, well, it sort of started building up. This lady Built who was running for governor blown up by crazy people. <laughs> I know. Well, the thing is, I think the people that blew it up were actually are actually more in line, in line with the thinking of the people who made it. They just don't know that. Yeah. So it's like it's, yeah. that's the funniest part about it. Um, but the deal is, okay, so the Guidestones, I think they were built like in the 80s, in, the, in 1980 or something. And um, nobody knows who made them, but Dr. Future, uh, who's often on Conspiracy Normal, we had him on but All America a while back. He, he uh-huh. managed to pretty much figure out who built them, and I'm not going to get into all that. I already told you he's uh, – the builders were kind of like shady folks. But the point being is that for like 30 years, no one knew um, – yeah, back in 1980. They were in Elberton, uh, Georgia. So no one knew who made them and shit, and there was always conspiracy theories because one of the lines of the thing is that uh, that that they need to be like massive depopulation to bring the population down to like 500 million people or something like that. Um and and so over the years it became tied to the new world order and all that stuff. But it was again, it was just like a kitschy roadside attraction. I think I think once or twice somebody spray painted on it, like like fuck you NWO or some shit. But for the most part, uh, they for the most part they were sort of allowed to exist in peace. And um, what eventually happened was. Like, this lady was running for governor of Georgia. She's sort of of the QAnon ilk. And she was like, first act. What a surprise. Act, 
when I become governor is to blow up the Georgia Guidestones. And it was like – and all of us who are sort of of the – who know of the Georgia Guidestones were like, what? Like it was like kind of, all of a sudden it was like Georgia Guidestones in the news. Like who's even – who even talks about that 40-year-old thing? Like it's a kitschy – you know, Sony had just built it like a year ago if you want that, but – yeah, yeah, now it's just a roadside attraction. It's like, uh, it's harmless. Like, get the get out of here. Um, so that was kind of the precursor. But it was like, it's weird. You know, I, I have to imagine that that sort of she, her putting it out into the ether is what inspired someone. They haven't caught anyone yet. Um, you know, talk about Unsolved Mysteries. That's one that, you know, we may, may linger for a while. They don't know who blew up the Guidestones. Um, but in – when did it Andy happen? In – like a documentary about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In in early July, uh, somebody blew up, put a bomb on the side of the – of one of the pillars, and that blew up. And then uh, presumably because it was deemed untenable, they ended up just knocking all of the Georgia Guidestones down because it was all – it was like a house of cards. So yeah. once one of the pillars was gone, the other ones were like teetering, and they were probably like, I took issue with this in a sense where it was like they were kind of teetering, but there was no effort made to like like carefully dismantle it. They just came in with like a fucking bulldozer and ran it over and blew it, like destroyed all the rest of the pillars and shit. And it was like you could have mm-hmm. done this in a way that, this thing, you know, you, you only had to rebuild one pillar. Now, if they want to ever bring it back, they have to make the whole thing from scratch. Yeah, they won't. No. Well, that's the – so that's that's kind of the story. And and then after that, it's – yeah, the now it's been – there had been talk of a time capsule. They found – they did an excavation. They couldn't find any time capsule there, um, they say. Um, it's all still kind of shrouded in a lot of like mystery and ro- I think there's like I think there's Rosicrucians involved, involved in shit. I'm almost positive there's <laughs> like I think the people yeah I I think the people involved originally who built it were like Rosicrucians or something like that. Um, and essentially now it's like it's only been about six months. Um, there's been talk of rebuilding the. Georgia Guidestones, but I think it's an issue of like nobody wants to be the one to uh, to sort of spearhead that whole thing, essentially. Mm-hmm. Like the town, yeah, well, it's, I it's guess they're going to be. It's just going to be the, the person, whoever spearheads getting them back, is probably going to have conspiracy people blowing up their house. Right. Exactly. Well, that's I'm sure that's part of it. Like, who wants to be the one to rebuild something that? was blown up, you know, it's like, well, yeah. clearly someone yeah. has a big issue with this. Uh, and it's so it's interesting. So it was uh, what I found, I guess, most troubling in a way was like it does speak to where we are as a people now. And it's not a good place where it's like, I don't agree with this thing. I'm going to go fucking blow it up. It's like that – I'm sure there were periods in time when this was the case, and the Taliban did that shit with, like, um, Buddhist statues, I think. But it's it's not a good mm-hmm. – it's not a good thing to do, in my opinion. 
Um, maybe someone else is out there is like, fuck you, man, no, you got to destroy the Georgia Guidestones. Like, no, just, like, if you don't agree with it, just, uh, you know, it's you, you don't need to fucking blow it up. Not like a monument. I mean, I, I guess. Yeah. Well, I like that George Carlin uh, quote, symbols are for the symbol-minded. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. <laughs> if you live and die you know, by symbols, I mean, there's something, something wrong, you know. Anybody that's that invested in something or that emotionally upset about a symbol is, you know. Yeah, that's what, yeah, that's what I'm getting get, at. Get like something to do, for Christ's sake. we got to spread this stuff around. Let's put it on the Internet. You're listening to Banal of America Audio. Great heavens. What kind of radio show is this? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess that's kind of what I'm trying to get at. Where it's like, there's a, there's a, there's a very hair trigger sort of or or permissiveness. That's probably the best way to put it. A permissiveness uh, for a move towards violence now. That I, I don't remember uh, for much of the time yeah. I was growing up. You know, so it's like I don't I don't like that. No, I don't no, I don't no. like this. Social, permissiveness of violence, where it's like where violence is now counts as as a viable solution to things. It's like, ah, oh, shit, no, no one likes that. Yeah, and everybody's <clears throat> opinion is worth something, even if it's crap. No, you know, yes. I get, I get just I have people getting mad at me for certain things that go on my show, and it's just like I don't really have anything to discuss with you about this issue. It's like, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? So, well, do your own show. You know, and it right, used exactly. to be people would say, I would, I have a suggestion now. It's like, why aren't you doing this to satisfy my idea about this? It's like, because I don't care. I'm doing what I want. And if we can, if we can have a nice discussion about the subject, you can point us in a direction that's useful. That's great. But just complaining about it and saying, I don't like this. It's like, well, I'm sorry. Who said that? Stephen Fry was talking about this, 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 the, uh, the emotion of offense. And he said, what the what is a what is taking offense at something? It's, it's, yeah. It has nothing to do with anything except for an extremely selfish idea about the way the world should be. Like I'm offended. Like so. <laughs> like you know. Exactly. If, if, if you're offended, if you're offended by the way women are treated, then treat them better. Um, uh, uh, highlight women's issues. Highlight. Um, uh, people that are doing good work and being Absolutely, held down yeah. because they're women or whatever, you know, just, I, if you're just offended, I mean, that's, that's the laziest thing I can think of. Right. I'm a big I fan of actions speak louder than words. Uh, yeah. I don't care anything, if you're offended. So. If you're offended, get out of here. I, I'm sorry. Too bad. Right. But yeah, it's, um, uh, that, that thing where everybody's opinion is worth something now. I don't know. I don't know where that came from. I guess it's something where tr- people try to be inclusive, but you get to the point it's like, well, some people's opinions aren't really worth that much, or they're insane. Like that Patton Oswalt thing. It's like you have the right to to say hey, whatever crazy thing you want, but I also have the right to say that's full of shit. <laughs> exactly. And well, when the stuck, you know when the when uh, Demar Hamlin. Uh, when he had the heart attack on the football field the other night, last last Monday, um, mm-hmm. I retweeted somebody because it, it, it was like, and all of a sudden, 
on Twitter, and I'm sure probably on Facebook too, but their their timeline setup sucks. Um, so you can, I'm getting posts from someone five days ago when it's like, I want to see what people think on what's happening now, not five days ago. But uh, I retweeted somebody because my timeline immediately just turned into hot takes from every – and I follow people from across the spectrum of the paranormal to wrestling to politics to various sports, baseball, everything. So it's like – and just people I know. And it was like all fucking hot take, hot take, hot take. I just retweeted somebody that said – Every day we see more people succumb to the modern psychological need to immediately have a take on every breaking news story no matter what. It's like – it's one of my, my – my, I complain about a lot on the show and everything where it's just like, look, I don't need to issue a statement on the death of Betty White. Like <laughs> no one needs yeah. – you know, no one needs – why do I – I shouldn't have to feel obligated to like mourn – Fucking Barbara Walters for the world. Like, like I'm sorry. It's like Barbara Walters was awesome. Yeah, but, you know, you don't need me it. to tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so – it's just so – it's just maddening. It really is. It's probably partially my we own – We don't sound like – we don't sound like old that? people complaining about everything, but it's just it, – it's – what I, I – I, I was talking to somebody who works in comedy, a friend of mine, and he said, I can't go out and do anything anymore because nobody, everybody gets offended by any joke I make. I can't right. go perform anymore at college campuses, especially because um, I'll get, I'll get yelled, yelled at or shouted down or accused of being sexist or racist if I even say because people don't worry about context anymore. Like I'm right. talking about this thing, and I'm using it to point out that the best comedy points out problems, injustices, um, prejudices, and shoves them in your face. But people are so hot button, like you said, about about mentioning anything that if you tell a joke meant to point out that a group is being or a person is being treated unfairly or prejudiced against or whatever, people think you're the one that's prejudiced against or against that person. Like, no. <laughs> yeah, it's it's all a big joke, yeah. Moron. yeah. It's a minefield. I think a big part of it is just the how everybody has a platform now, and it's like, oh geez, it's uh, you know. Yeah, that's dangerous. That's probably why the it's definitely why the Georgia Guidestones were blown up. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I think it's yeah. I think it's partially what's amped people up in general, where it's just like we're bombarded with fucking yeah. hot takes all day from people everywhere on everything, and it's like, <laughs> oh, enough. Um. John Mulaney said that in a routine. He said, everybody is mad at everything all the time now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Which is yeah. pretty much what it is. <laughs> it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, the, so, I mean, that was the Georgia Guidestones. It's it's a bummer, and it's like you, you just don't want, you know, you just, you just, it's just not a good, it's not a good look. It's not a good look. That's kind of my my take right. on it. It's worrisome for sure, and you know it follows. Uh, I I don't. I mean, we probably if we did talk about it, we probably barely talked about it at the end of the year last year because it happened at the very beginning of the year. But you know, it follows like, you know, they're, they're storming the fucking Capitol, and it's like you're watching it on TV, and it's like I can't believe I'm seeing this. Like this, it's happening now in Brazil, like almost a carbon copy, um, or it did today. Yeah, it's like, I heard this today. Yeah, and it's just like these mind-numbing things where it's like, 
<laughs> no one would even no one would even think of it. It's like unthinkable. Uh but it's hap- it's happened and it, these weird things keep happening now and they're getting more violent and that's not cool. Um the yeah, well, we'll move on to something itself. Hopefully it doesn't carbon copy repeat itself. That's kind of frightening. Go ahead. I know. No, I know. I know. It's uh it's a troubling time we're living in, man. It doesn't seem to uh be getting any less worrisome. But we'll move on to something more fun, which is uh the Amarillo dog man. This is probably I'd say <laughs> as someone who covers uh Bigfoot and all the other creatures and shit, um this I would say this creature was like I would <laughs> I will I will go as far as to call it the creature of the year because it sort of burst out of just the paranormal and yeah, became not just Amarillo but yeah everywhere it's, it's, it's like it's, it was front and center cryptid down dog yeah yeah it was like it made like national news and shit where it was like check out this weird thing that was essentially this is what it was it was a weird thing that looked like a like a shadowy kind of thing, like almost a silhouette uh, near a fence uh, around the Amarillo Zoo, and it looked like a like a dog man. It looked like a bipedal dog. Yeah, but it was of a course, bipedal creature with a dog head. Yeah. Right, right. But I mean, that's what it looked like. It could have been a fucking leaf or something. I don't like. It's like we don't really know. You know, I, yeah, I didn't see moving. much. It's just a still. Right. It's just a still. So we don't know. I didn't see much like I oddly enough, I never saw anyone like go to where the fucking picture was taken and show it like in the daytime or or where or try to recreate it. Like I didn't see actual much actual research into this picture more than just people guessing, you know, what it might have been. But it was so it looked so much like a dog man that it captured the hearts and minds and imagination of the general public. Uh, more than anything else this year in the world of creatures, I'd say. Yeah, the city even, like, pumped it up. I mean, they were kind of tongue-in-cheek about it, but they they encouraged people to figure out what it was, I think. Even, I, I read the article or an article about it. Maybe it was yours. And they talked to Ken Gerhard, of all people, and he said it's it's probably, he said he, he, said he thinks it's fake or a mistake or whatever, because if you look, I don't know if he said that, but if you look at the figure, it's not like where its legs. I guess there's a black line going all the way up through it, instead of just near its legs. Like, and the, and it's not even it's not even symmetrical. Like, the, it's not even a symmetrical body. So it's probably a misidentification or a hoax. Yeah, it's very weird. It's I'm looking at the picture now. Um, and the what what was weird about it too? Because I remember I covered it for Coast to Coast, and what originally happened was the it kind of just popped up like how I'm trying to find the original source for it uh it, I thought it was somebody at like somebody at the zoo actually released it maybe no no here it is so this is the weird part it okay it was posted uh somebody posted it on fucking reddit of all places and uh, uh at the time, it was like – then they said it was from outside this zoo, and it was like, all right. And I remember writing about it the first time, and I'm like, okay, this is this is a cool story. It's a cool picture. It could be a dog man or whatever. Um, but then like a week later – but it was like who 
I, and I think even in the coverage I had for Coast to Coast originally, it was like, you can't even – this is just from some dude on Reddit. Like, you have, we have no idea if it was really outside the Amarillo Zoo. We don't – like, this could just be a picture somebody took in their backyard and then spun, like, a crazy story and posted it on Reddit. Like, you can't be sure of that. So that, that, then all of a sudden <laughs> – and again, I don't – I'm skeptical about this, to be quite honest, because part of me wonders if the fucking Amarillo Zoo just jumped on that and were like, because it did get a lot of coverage originally, and and if if the Amarillo yeah. Zoo was like, or the city Amarillo was like, yeah, let's let's fucking let's take this thing as our own. Let's let's see, like let's you know, oh they're saying it was so outside it, our yeah. zoo, so you know, like I don't know necessarily. Like I said, no one really kind of went to the zoo to. Figure it out. So it could be, you know, your old fashioned, like like your old fashioned kind of. Oddly enough, like I I had Zelia Edgar on it earlier in the year, and it's like you you almost never see these kind of cases anymore, where it's like the Loveland Frog guy or whatever, or um, <laughs> it could be like a modern day version of like the Kelly'sville Goblin or something like that, you know, like which we almost never see anymore. Yeah, or the lizard man thing from Florida. Exactly. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah, so that's the, the theme just keeps coming up. We know that. Exactly. But the thing is, is you almost never, uh, like I was saying, her, you almost never see those stories anymore. So it was like, oh, this is cool. Like some towns, they're kind of jumping on the, they've made their own creature. Like you don't. Like, <laughs> good for them in 2022. That's awesome. So yeah. now I, I presume, I hope they're going to have dog man festivals and shit down in Amarillo now. Um, <laughs> they so. should. Um, so the other story I I told, uh, I kind of recounted this in fastidious glory to uh, my, my friend Matt Hopewell, AP Prestigious, back in September when this was going on. So this is... This was like the biggest story in in the world of Loch Ness Monster, folks. So I'm going to try and break this down really simply, but it's it, – yeah, it, I can break it simply down. So it, there weren't a lot of Loch Ness Monster sightings. Yes, the webcam story. Well, it's a whole – Yeah. it's like if you think – it's like it's nice to see other fields can't fucking get along either. So, so they <laughs> – None of them The can. first – so for years and years and years, uh, they've had this webcam at Loch Ness, and somewhere like in the last five years, um, the official register of Loch Ness monster sightings, which is the standard, I guess you could say, in part, I am not to throw shade, but in part probably because it's the only fucking place that like that acts as the judge of of Nessie sightings. So they would accept these webcam <laughs> yeah. sightings. So at the beginning of the year, after a few months where there weren't that many sightings, uh, this guy in Ireland who is who watches the webcam constantly, he f- spotted something, sent it in. What's that? With a funny name that I can't pronounce. Yeah, it's like Ian O'Fagadon or something like that. Or I don't know. Yeah. I can't. That was close. I think that good, was actually, good job. That sounded actually pretty I've close. written about him a lot. So, <laughs> But it was – yeah, it was something – it's O'Fain with like a an N and a D. Let me see. Four O's and yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Let's see if uh, – here we go. Okay, let's see if we can get it right here. Ian – okay, yeah, I was close. Ofoud Hagen. So, and I'm sure it's not pronounced that way, but that's Ofoud Hagen. Um, so, anyway, he watches the cam all the time. What's that? I said, what, again? Go ahead. There you go. Um, so he, he spots something. He gets a screen capture. He sends it to the registry. The registry announces that it's the first Nessie sighting of the year. This was like way at the beginning of the year, um, like in March, the end of March. Um, and, it, and it had been like six months since anyone saw Nessie, so it was considered kind of like a, a – it was good news. Um, uh, so then <laughs> these two paddleboarders yep. came out, and they're like, no, that was us. And so the register rescinded the first Nessie sighting of the year and gave it to another, uh, an on-site Nessie uh, witness. So that was like the first time this had ever happened. It was controversial in a sense because it was like they, they the, the first sighting got a lot of press because it was like the first sighting of the year. So the first always gets a lot of press. So it was kind of embarrassing because right. then it was like, oh, well, it turns out it was just some paddle boarders. But here's the real first sighting. But it, ne- it kind of never really <laughs> ca- caught on. So this led to what I imagined was a lot of pissed off Nessie hunters who were just tired of these webcam reports. I'm sure they had said shit in the past, but now they were really vocal, and they were like, enough with the webcam. Like, the webcam, the evidence sucks, the videos suck, you can't see anything, it's just a blob. And and to his credit, Ain was like, uh, yeah, well, so is all your shit from <laughs> from from around Loch Ness. Your, your shit's just a blob, too. <laughs> So it's like, my, why, why are your blobs any better than my blobs? Um, but this like <laughs> this debate went on in in Nessie circles for a while, and then it was like, so then the, the official registry they just stopped accepting any webcam sightings. So uh, they didn't accept a single webcam sighting for the whole year because things <laughs> got even crazier because because. Then this tourist group launched five more webcams at Loch Ness. So it was like this issue that was already a small issue was now poised to become an exponentially bigger bone of contention for the Nessie folks because now there's six webcams. So so these Nessie purists launched a fucking – launched an online petition to have online uh, webcam – like have the webcam sightings not be recognized by the register and to have the, have the record expunged of all previous webcam sightings. So that didn't really, (laughs) it didn't like set the world on fire. Like it wasn't, as you might imagine, people had more pressing issues to get concerned about. Yeah. They're not concerned about that. Yes. About the purity of the nasty record. But so, (laughs) But it seemed – but I guess in response to now having probably to look at a whole shitload of more Nessie videos, the official register, like, changed their policy. And what I presume is – applies to all of the webcams, not just the new ones. They announced that the, the – in order to get credit for a Nessie sighting, you had to have 
uh, a picture that sh- that shows the uh, that shows the creature's face. So that was the that was the that's the standard to now get the the to get credit footage of clear facial features of an unknown creature. So uh, as you can well, imagine, that's why there's the sightings quite a bit. Yes, that's why there were no webcam sightings all uh, of 2022 by the, by the register, and it's like this weird, um, like steroid era <laughs> thing now, where it's like the old like this year for 2022 they only had six Nessie sightings. If you look at last year, there were like 16, but 10 of them were webcams. So it's like, and as you go further back, like the previous year, it was like five webcams and five webcams. So it's like for about five years, it was like, it seemed like when you'd see the end of the year, it'd be like, holy shit, there were 16 Nessie reports. And it's like, well, but 10 of them with the webcam. So it makes it all, it's like very weird. So I don't know. Maybe they should be expunged from the record or set apart. But yeah, it's odd. It's odd. So that was... uh, I I found that fascinating. I don't know. I think I think I'm probably one of a handful of people who really was invested in the in in the debate about the webcams, but it it is kind of interesting that they're just like, "No, nah, look, enough, enough with these sightings. Come on." Well, I looked at the the footage and I could barely see something going on in the foreground. That's all I saw. It's like it's like it was like a shadow. Yeah. Well, I think it's partially too like you you have to watch the webcam for like five hours, and then you, then you probably notice these tiny little fucking things, and you're like, wait a minute, do you see that little black dot that popped up? That that could have been Nessie. It's like, all right, now you're kind of reaching, dude. Um, like the South Park where they're trying to find that uh, whatever that monster is, they go, look, there it is. It's like on on the screen for like a thirtieth of a second, and it's blurred. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was the Nessie deal. So I have this in the notes I didn't send to you. This was an interesting one, but it's one of those, it's like the Artemis story where it's like, well, keep an eye on it. It might turn into something down the line. Um, this was the, there's a company in Texas that's trying to revive the woolly mammoth. They, um, are teaming up now with, uh, Australian, University Lab, who are trying to revive the Tasmanian tiger, so they're they're pooling their brain power and resources to essentially figure out reviving creatures. Um, I think their rationalization is like we, can, you know, well let's start with the Tasmanian tiger. Once we figure out how to do it with that, we'll we'll then try for the woolly mammoth. Um, so and oddly enough, I think at the beginning of the year they yeah. announced that they had gotten the full genome of the dodo bird. So that also is a candidate yeah. now for revival. I know. Yeah. So as I said, I mean, but I mean, they've been talking about this for years, so who knows if it'll ever happen, but, you know, the prospect of, like, much like going back to the moon, it's like they're trying now to do it, so, you know, we'll see if it happens. Yeah. I don't know. I I guess I hope they can do it. You get that that idea from the old science fiction movies. There are things that man is not meant to mess with. So, 
know, what right. happens it's when like, you reintroduce a woolly mammoth or a, or a, you know, hopefully keeping a zoo or something or the dodo or whatever, what's that going to do the ecosystem of where you release it if you do that? Or maybe it's just right, exactly. a, you know, a one-off a kind of uh, curiosity. Who knows? There's plenty of woolly mammoth DNA, tons, almost literally, I think. Yeah. Well, the – yeah, yeah. Well, they, they, they'll have to figure that out, like, before they start rolling out woolly mammoths anyway. But, yeah, it's uh, – I think their rationalization actually is that it's, like, a good thing for the Arctic or, or something like that. I forget how they explained it, but it's like, if we actually dumped a shitload of woolly mammoths here, the snow would actually not melt as fast. And it's like – that seems like a really roundabout way of solving the problem, but sure, make a bunch of woolly mammoths, I guess. Yeah, it just sounds, sounds like a sounds like a, uh, an excuse to be able to start messing with things. Like you know, we shouldn't build oh, nuclear bombs, but don't you like big explosions? Well, I guess. Well, let's make some more bombs. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think okay. So the other big story I had here penned out. This was in the. This was the this was the only, in a sense, this is my Bigfoot story of the year because uh, there actually was not that many good Bigfoot videos this year, and I'm always on the lookout for good Bigfoot videos, and I only saw like two or three that were any good, and usually see about like, yeah. like eight to ten. Videos. You never see anything that clearly. Yeah, Maybe a exactly. There was one really clear one uh, of, from some boaters allegedly, like in the in British Columbia, and. Uh, and it was like it looked like a a faraway version of the Patterson Gimlin film. It was very clear, but it was like you couldn't really uh-huh. still couldn't really tell. It could have been a naked dude, like you know, it's like it was far enough away where you couldn't really quite be sure of what you were looking at. But it certainly looked like a bipedal creature crossing, you know, running along. But the what uh, the the Bigfoot story of the year for me that really stood out was. Um, my favorite story, I think this is in Arkansas, where this dude, this guy, this man, he killed his fishing buddy because he said, he told police, I guess I guess you have to say allegedly, but he told the cops this, so it's like, I, I never quite understand that. Where it's like, all right. But he, he uh, killed his fishing buddy because... Um, he, his friend, he said his friend, I guess they must have gotten into an argument or what, or maybe he was like trying to boast or something, but his friend, his fishing buddy said he could summon Sasquatch to attack him, or he was going to summon Sasquatch to attack him. So so he fucking, I, I presume he was doing something that looked like he was summoning Sasquatch, and his, and his buddy fucking just killed him. So the weirdest, one of the weirdest stories of the year in general. Why? And... And especially with Bigfoot involved. Why did he kill him? Because he was summoning Sasquatch. Because he thought he shouldn't. It was satanic or something. Why? He was summoning Sasquatch to to get him. Oh. It's like I, they must have gotten oh. into an argument or something, and he was like, "All right, well, fuck you. Um, let me get the yard club. <laughs> um, I'm gonna call Bigfoot right. to kill you now. Yeah. Okay. Let me see. And summon Bigfoot to come and kill him. Uh, So, yeah. 
He said, that's what he said. Not, he, the, the guy had, had summoned Bigfoot to come and kill him. I presume they got into some kind of fight um, and an argument. And, <laughs> I think there's kind of uh, some and, subtext uh, in this fight that's more than Bigfoot being summoned. But go ahead. Well, as I said <laughs> on the Coast to Coast website, in what might be the least surprising aspect of this case, police also observed that Sanders, quote, appeared to be under the influence of something, end quote. So, you know, <laughs> I don't know what he was under the influence of, but – he was. He thought the guy, and I guess I'm imagining the scene. I've thought about this a few times just because it makes me kind of laugh in a way. But it's like he clearly the guy's like, I'm going to summon Sasquatch to kill you, uh, Brian, or whatever the fuck his name is. <coughs> and I presume he must have been doing something. He must have been howling or whatever. And the other guy, I'm just imagining him like running over and <laughs> being like, I need to stop. I need to stop him in the middle of this ritual because if he finishes, then fucking Sasquatch is going to come and get me. So it was like, I don't know. I'm just imagining this crazy fucking scene, this crazy murder. Like, like what the hell was this guy thinking? I want to see a dateline on that. That would be great. <laughs> they have oh, man. friendship. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, and his name was Larry Sanders. Was the murderer alleged? So, oh, well, of course. Yeah, Larry Sanders. Um, so, I mean, <laughs> those are it's an eclectic mix. But those were like the biggest stories of the year, and I kind of haphazardly threw this list together. So, I've imagined that I missed some things now. Greg and I, well, I can't speak for Greg yet, but I have a feeling I may be. But I foolishly said when I posted the episode, if people wanted us to talk about stuff, um, we could. But the suggestions are really specific. Um, Curse of Oak Island, I mean, that's not really a 2022 thing. I think it's kind of like just a – I think it's more entertainment than actual – Treasure hunting. Um, now, somebody I, put up a meme I, about that the other day. You may or, know oh, how sorry, to pronounce. Dig. Um, well, you may know how to pronounce this. Merzar. Um, he he had this very long post. People need to go on my Facebook page to look at. It. He wants to know about John Yost's alien abductions colon answers 2022 documentary, and without. Getting into that right at this moment. Uh, also, Stephen Strange wanted to know about the James Fox documentary, Moment of Contact. And I can only say to Stephen Strange and Mur uh, Zar, I didn't see either of those, so I can't. I'm not a big is this the documentary. Is the James Fox one? Yeah, that's the Brazilian um, Verigna case, right? Yeah, so if you could speak to that. I did uh, see that. I saw, okay. I saw the premiere of it in L.A. Yeah. All right. Uh, do you have thoughts on it? Yeah, I, I don't know anything about Yoast. I do know about the Fox thing. And it, uh, my, my capsule review was I didn't want to like it, and I did. Oh, and the reason was is because it was a compelling documentary. Um, All right. Because, I, like, you know, most UFO documentaries, because Fox is, like, he's deep into the UFO thing. But in some ways he manages to, you know, be able to, because a lot of people are into this, and they can't really explain it to an outsider somebody that's not into it. And of course, yeah. um, uh, his, his docu- his big documentary, what, I can't remember the name of it. The one that was, I know what I saw or whatever. Yeah. 
that one was a really good one to show to people that don't don't know anything about it. I mean, it, it's it's uh, it's opinionated because documentaries are, but it's a good way to have somebody, you know, a lazy person get a really get caught up really quickly on the history of ufology. So this one, he went down to Brazil and uh, with this film crew, and he interviewed all these different people. Uh, uh, civilian witnesses, you see women that said they saw some weird thing like crouching near a wall that looked all scared. Um, you know, uh, testimony from people in the neighborhood that the military was there and cordoning off certain streets and freaked out. Um, which apparently was miles away from the actual site where there was supposedly a crash. It's basically yeah. the Roswell of Brazil. I mean, everybody has a Roswell of some, every country, so this was the Roswell of Brazil. And uh, the testimony of the witnesses, especially these three women who were little girls when this happened, yeah, it was interesting and compelling. And um, actually, uh, he also had interviews with military people that said they were around when these when bodies were dissected and things like that. And all the military people, at least not all of them, but the the ones with the with the most detailed and compelling evidence didn't want to be shown on camera. It's like this one guy that said he was there and he was in the room when this was happening and he heard what was being said and saw the dead alien and all this. He's, you know, he's, uh, his, his voice is, is, uh, is uh, disguised and, you know, he's in silhouette or that's from behind him. And he has the most compelling evidence, yet he's the one that's the most anonymous in the film. Uh, so, I, you know, I thought about about that fact that, Anytime the military is involved, it just seems like you should take anything they say with a grain of salt because they have a specific reason why they're saying these things. If this guy yeah. was supposed, not supposed to be saying anything, he wouldn't be saying anything. Right, right. Um, and so I I kind of get suspicious when military people are involved, really. Yeah, because part uh, of the thing, too, is like – they have a motivation, uh, whereas the, these witnesses don't. Yeah, and in this day and age, like, I almost don't, especially this, with the way, I didn't see how this thing was portrayed with the guy, but it's like just in the way that he clearly had to, like, do some legwork to talk to James Fox and everything. It's like, part of me just thinks, like, dude, there's no way that, like, they don't know that the people, like, the people that you're afraid of don't know who you are. Like, there's only a handful of people they could... They, if, if they even would be looking, but it's like they would know who – like they'd be like, well, there's five – I don't know. There's a dozen people who were around from then, and, you know, <laughs> let's figure out who it was. You know what I mean? So it's kind of – so it makes you do wonder in a sense where it's like, okay, maybe this guy was given permission to do this, but, um, you know, they don't – they he's, he has his identity cloaked in part to add some air of mystery to what he's saying in a sense. Yes. Exactly. It's the, it's the the thing. Anybody that's in advertising or in military intelligence or anything where you have to make people listen or believe something, the more compelling the information and the more cloak and dagger the person is giving it to you, the more you're going to believe it, especially if right. you want to believe it. Exactly. So yeah. I don't know if this guy was telling the truth or not, but I would sincerely doubt it that he was telling the whole truth because of all these factors we just discussed. 
The other thing that happened is they went out to visit the military commander that was in, in charge of the operation, or at least part of it. They pull yeah. up to his house, and he says, if you stay here any longer, I will shoot you. I've, I've got a gun <laughs> right here, and I'll shoot you. And it's like, I like that. Seeing that's that cool. if I was standing there at the time, I would have been, yeah, I've been scared shitless and left immediately. They, like, didn't yeah. get it immediately. They're like, what? You know, what? We're just here to talk to you about. He repeated, I think, you will be shot if you don't leave right now. And so they said, okay. Damn. And they got in the car and left, and then, you know, driving away going, oh, my God. I mean, what, what was but there's two possibilities there. One is the guy didn't want to talk about it, and he was kind of pissed off that they found him. The other one was they, he wanted them to think about it. Right, right. Yeah. So – you know, when I see that, that's, that's the first thing I think of. And there's other things in the film about, you know, the, they said the American military took over and took all the stuff away and in the middle of the night. And they actually talked to people at the airport saying American military planes did come in and they did leave early in the morning and all this. It's like, well, you don't know what was on those planes. Um, you know, who knows if it was a coincidence they were there or not. Who knows? But anyway, everything points to something weird happening, but as in a lot of these UFO things, a lot of evidence and no real, you know, no nothing to hold on to unless you desperately want to believe in it. Yeah. And, like, you know, whatever those women saw, I don't think they were lying. I don't know if it was an alien or if it connected to the other stuff. But um, that, that, to me, was the most compelling part, which is these three women. That's like, you know, as far as I could tell, they had no reason to lie about it or anything or hoax that they weren't being paid for anything. The other right. thing about it is um, Fox is in it a lot, and I kind of get annoyed when filmmakers are in their own films, no matter what the reason, um, whether they do a good job or not. And um, I think Bryce Zabel did a Q&A with him afterwards up on yeah. stage, and he said, what's, what's the deal with being in the film? And he said, my distributor said that they wanted me in the film so that, that, most, that a lot of it could be done in English. Um, so they wouldn't have to have subtitles because people don't like to read subtitles. Huh. So he said they, refu- they didn't refuse, but they said that part of the contract was he had to be in it and speaking English and then having a translator speak English back. So there's hardly any subtitles. There are some in there, but they were cut down, you know, cut back really by having Fox in there. With, yeah, significantly with a, having Fox and an interpreter in there. So I understood what he was saying. It was a little annoying to me. But he said, I didn't do it because I wanted to be in the film. I did it because the distributor said that's what they needed for, for, for it to be distributed. I was like, okay, I understand. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, and but just to I would give. Be, you know, I, yep. th- thumbs up on the film. Okay. I'll check it out. Um, and since we can't talk about John Yost's alien abductions answers, uh, Mer, do you know this? I mean, you must know this guy. Mer. It's Mer, it looks like Mr. Herzar, but it's, it, the, that part's at the beginning is all yeah, one word. Yeah, it's Herzar, and it's a pseudonym, and he's using oh, it for a specific reason it was a that I do not know, and I will right. not. I don't. I, I've known him for years. I've known him since excluded middle time. He seems to do good work, but yeah, he looks very fastidious because he puts in here. Um, I'll just read it here. Uh, he, he says, is. He's he an says the researcher. He says the film is a major step backwards for the alien abduction field, and then he lists like a whole bunch of stuff. That the that the movie puts forward that uh, he takes issue with. So, um, but I can't. I, I don't even. I don't even, yeah. I don't really watch this stuff really. So to me, it's like um, I don't watch it usually. I just I was invited to the premiere by um, 
Earl, Earl Gray Anderson, the MUFON guy here in Southern California. So I said, yeah, sure, I'll go. And I enjoyed it. Like I said, in spite of myself, I enjoyed it. And I, 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 I give it a thumbs up. Not because of Fox or anything, but just because UFO documentaries tend to not be something I want to watch. Because you watch them, you're like, oh, man, what they, why did they put that in? Or why did they say that? But I guess I didn't know enough about the case to get pissed off about it, so I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, that covers all the things people suggested. So we're at the 10-minute mark. We'll, we're going to go over the hour a little bit. You don't mind, do you? No, no, I don't mind. All right. I'm, I'm um, cooking split do... pea soup, and it won't be done until after this. <laughs> there you go. Because we're going to do eulogies. And... Oh, yeah. nice. And what, what lies ahead, I guess. Um, <clears throat> now, apologies to anyone. I'm going to look this up while we talk about the first person to make sure, see if we miss anyone we should mention. But uh, we, there were a few folks who passed away this year. Uh, the first one I have here in my notes is John Lear, who, of course, was a yeah. a major, major player in uh, in the UFO field. Um mm-hmm. In the 80s and going on, and then afterwards, um, you know, after that yeah, for a while. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. He I, had I a character. He, he became sort of a character in a way. It's hard to explain it unless you were around. But talk, I guess, talk. Yeah. He was on, we had him on the All of America, like, in, like, the end of season three or something. So we have a pretty good. Really? I want to say, like, 90 minute interview with him in the archive. Um, but. Uh, and and you wrote the obituary for him for Coast to Coast, actually, because uh, he was, like, a little before my time. He was known mostly to me as sort of the guy who came along uh, and and had this whole – he had this whole, like, thing. I forget what it was called now, but it was, like, this, this like, briefing that he read to Art Bell, and it was, like, earth-shattering thing that was, like – that he said, like, the moon was uh, harvesting human souls and shit and – and uh, yeah. it's like wild, wild stuff. But that was like way, way, way late into his uh, career as sort of a, a UFO guy. And he was mixed up with Area 51 and uh, and all the 80s UFO stuff. But you, you want to talk a little bit more about John Lear and his legacy and everything? Yeah, um, I can only talk about what I know about him from interacting with him and writing about him. I can't even remember what I wrote in the obituary. I had to look up some stuff. But I will give a few sketches of things where I knew, saw him in action, interacted with him, and heard about him. The first thing I will say is he's one of the people that contacted Paul Benowitz after Benowitz got out of the uh, mental health place that he was in for a while that his family put him in because he went nuts because of all the the, um, intelligence stuff that was going on. So he came out, and a few years later, John DeLear comes and contacts him and goes over to his house, talks to him a lot about what, what he'd seen, what was going on, um, the underground base, the Dulce underground base, all that. And eventually, um, Benowitz got pissed off and wouldn't talk to him anymore for some reason. I don't know what the bone of contention was. But he got really mad yeah. at him and wouldn't talk to him anymore. Um, he hung out with Linda Howe quite a lot in the 80s, uh, in starting out, I think, with some of the Benowitz stuff. And... There was a conference in Colorado in, well, whatever, San Luis Valley, a very a small private conference that Lear and Linda Howe and Chris O'Brien and a few other people went to to talk about um, cattle mutilation stuff. And I think Lear, I think it was Lear, 
he wrote something that he said, we're all going to, this is what cattle mutilations are, and we're all going to band together and sign this thing and put it out. And everybody else looked at it and said, no, we're not signing that. You didn't even talk to us about this. Yeah. And so he left in frustration. I think he, he was Linda Howe's ride, so they both had to leave because he had driven her up there in his truck. So that was, you know, that's kind of curious to me. Why would he invade a cattle mutilation conference and then just write this manifesto based on something that he thought? That's kind of curious. Yeah. Um, the, the second thing that happened was very short. I saw him at one of the UFO congresses sometime in the probably the, oh, it was the early 2000s. He just showed up. It was when I just written Project Beta. I said, hey, I said, hey, John, how are you doing? He said, hey. I said, I wrote about you in this book uh, on Paul Benowitz, but I'm afraid you don't come off so well. And he said, that's okay. I don't mind. He seemed very jovial nice. about it. Um, he was also one of the people in 1989 at the, yeah, at the infamous Bill Moore UFO uh, MUFON conference. He was yep. one of the people that was organizing the alternate conference where they were saying, we really have to, you know, the, government, the UFO field infiltrated and we're going to talk about it. And, you know, Bill Cooper was speaking there and, and, and all the bills, Bill English um, and, and Lear and a few other people. They had this alternative, alternative conference where they just uh, said, you know, you know, wake, wake up sheeple. Um, yeah. I didn't see Famous. it. Yeah. <laughs> And he was involved um, so with Area 51. He was integral to the whole Bob Lazar story, too, right? Yeah, that's right. He kind of shepherded that from the beginning. See, what I'm trying to do here is paint a picture of Lear. I don't – he used to work for Air America and fly planes for the CIA and all this. Maybe he did. I don't know if anybody was ever able to confirm that, and I don't know if you could confirm it. But the entire suite – of John Lear's career, and I didn't say this in the obituary because I didn't want to be rude online about John Lear because he had just died. Right. And you know, I don't think he's—I don't think he's an evil monster or anything. But to me, a lot of the things he did kind of smacked of trying to control the narrative in some way. Right. Yeah. Trying to, I don't I think anyone disagrees with that. Yeah. Got, yeah, I got pissed off. Why Benowitz got pissed off at him. Also, why, you know, why was he at that conference telling everybody what cattle mutilations were when he wasn't one of the main researchers at all? Yeah. Um, uh, I was talking to uh, – oh, God, I can't remember his name. Oh, Chris Lambright. He said that he was in D.C. for one of these, like, uh, uh, congressional briefing things or fake congressional briefing things or whatever in the 90s, <laughs> I think. Yeah. And he asked – Lear said um, – he asked Lear about something he'd said, and I can't remember what the specific thing was. But Lear yep. said, oh, yeah, I just made that up. I was like, what? <laughs> it was like something that everybody believed and was like an integral part of, I guess, the Dulcie. Uh, 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 I think it might have been part of the Dulcie mythos. But it was – he just – he had bald-faced admitted that he made it up. I don't know if he actually did make it up or he was just saying that for effect and lying about it. I have no idea. But right, right. I don't think John Lear was a you know an honest UFO researcher. I think he was either like he was either a masterful troll or he was doing work for somebody. I don't know. But that's there you my go. suspicion. All right. Um, all right. Well, we're going to lose Hold the live listeners in a moment, so 
Thank you okay. uh, to everyone who tuned in live. Uh, you ought to be getting this in the podcast feed probably like in a day or two uh, for the rest of the show. So thanks to Cobbles, Zach Copley, who uh, hung around in the uh, hung around in the chat tonight and was the uh, peanut gallery for the evening. Much appreciated, Cobbles. Uh, it's always good to have to know someone's out there listening um, and offering feedback on what we're talking about. So I, I really appreciate it. Um, thanks, Zach. The other person I wanted to mention was uh, Linda Godfrey, who I had the opportunity to interview oh, yeah. a few times and meet on a few occasions. Just a super sweet, nice lady um, who really had just an amazingly impactful uh, impact, an impactful impact, a serious impact <laughs> on sort of uh, cryptozoology with the with the beast of Ray Road. It was like she kind of – I, she just wrote about these sightings of a dog man around Wisconsin, and it became – it turned into, like, this whole new cottage industry. And, and I don't – like, Linda was always fairly skeptical about the whole thing and kind of covered it journalistically and um, and did cover it journalistically. And, and, but, but it captured the imagination of so many people that, it, like, dog man became – like, we talked about the Amarillo dog man earlier tonight. Like, the dog man became yeah. – Became like a fixture of, of cryptozoology. It's like almost on par now with with it's it's not at the level of like Bigfoot and Loch Ness monster and shit, but it's certainly like in the in the conversation more often now than it ever had been before. It's like a it's like an icon, if you will. It's like an iconic type of creature that people claim to see now or run into or yeah. or capture on footage and shit. So and that all comes back really to Linda Godfrey. I mean, there were Dogman cases and stories and shit before that but she kind of like she's she was responsible for for making it a thing so you know that's a pretty yeah. crazy contribution i think even she was like holy shit because i mean i talked to her like three or four years ago and she did a presentation at lauren's conference and even when she was talking about the dog man was like there's all kinds of problems with this story <laughs> like like how like how dogs shouldn't be able to walk the like on their hind legs like the way people are saying um they might be able to do it a little bit but like the, these are like like adept bipedal cryptids so she, even she was like this is something here doesn't really quite add up so um yeah you know and and well, she was super prolific put out a ton of books and uh you know, just became a big part of the scene and was at a lot of conferences and was super well liked. Um, you know, people, people really. Uh, they, she was beloved, I guess you could say, and just a sweet, really sweet lady. Um, so, uh, I guess she had been sick for a while. So, um, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm sorry that she's gone, and, and we're gonna miss her a lot, for sure. I know a lot yeah. of people will. I never got to meet her. Um. I now, someone that uh, – no, did you ever encounter A.J. Givard or Gevard? I never I, – we never crossed no, paths. No, I know I he was a big, big-time player uh, in UFOs. Yeah, was the Brazilian – he was a, he was like the, the Brazilian UFO researcher, uh, founder and editor of Brazilian UFO magazine, uh, founder and director of the Brazilian Center for Flying Saucer Research, um, the first of its type in South America. He passed away uh, in 2022. Right. Um, 
Jordan. Oh, here's one. Betty and Andreas and Luca, who was part of uh, one of the more iconic abduction cases uh, that was yeah. written about by Raymond Fowler, the Andreasen affair. She passed away this year. Um, mm. So, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know much yeah. about that case, to be honest. So, I should know more, recall more, but it had um, a lot of elements that just um, serious UFO researchers wanted to stay away from. There were spiritual elements. There were there were um, her whole family became involved. She channeled alien writing, which uh, which is kind of cool. And she worked it very um, uh, deeply into her Christian faith. Okay. So yeah, it's a, it happened in Massachusetts. It's a, it's a so fascinating I should know more case. about it too. Yeah, it's a fascinating case. Fowler wrote, I think, three books on it. Um, and uh, I, w- I wish I'd read more of it. I think uh, Red Pill or some other people we know are more heavily invested in it. She actually appears in one of our tarot cards. Oh, very nice. On the, the follower card? card. Oh. No, no, it's the death um, card. It's got, um, uh, what's this? It has uh, Robert <clears throat> K. Bender, Betty Andreas, and her daughter, and a uh, and Snippy the horse, the one that first mutilated horse. Oh, nice. Animal. Um, so next, another uh, name that might be familiar to uh, folks, old school folks. This is one that um, I'm not making light of his passing, but I, this is one of those where it's like, I thought he had died a few years ago. Uh, Jordan Maxwell yeah. passed away in 2022. Oh, that's right. Um, yeah. So I think he had been sick or something because he had really vanished from the scene pretty much uh, Yeah. for a long, long time. But he was a fixture like of the yeah. sort of 80s, 90s yeah. conspiracy scene. I hung out with him a lot. I always found him super fascinating. Like I, I like he, he yeah, he was fast. He was like a he was like a friendly, gentle Bill Cooper. To me. Yeah, and he always sort of had all this crazy shit that like I don't even know if uh, what I'd have to go back and listen to some of those shows. But like, uh, but it was always like that's where I first heard the thing about like the gold fringe on the flag, and it's like a naval flag, and and if you you know if you fucking if you're in court and they have the the thing you can. You know, respect. You know, request to speak to the first captain or some shit. It's like always some crazy like <laughs> thing where it's like, and then you can then you can stricken all evidence yeah. against you from the record if you can cut a deal with the with the steward or some shit. And it's like, what the yeah, fuck? Yeah, just, just get in the court and try that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, well, I know this is being contested under naval rules, so. I can't remember anything he said, really. All I remember is him being friendly, like jovial, always smiling, cracking jokes, and saying the absolute most zany crap you've ever heard, which I enjoyed yeah. thoroughly because he was so nice about it. I didn't exactly. Any of yeah. it, but I re- he really was entertaining. And um, he, always, <laughs> he always had black girlfriends. Really? I saw it with like four different girlfriends. They're all black women. <laughs> Interesting. So it was, um, it, it, was a, it was just this weird quirk of Jordan Maxwell's that you most people don't know, you know. So it was uh, like I said. I mean, he was a, was he, he L.A. He was, a he was like guy. was he like was he part of like the L.A. scene or no? Yeah, he was in Southern California. In fact, <laughs> I saw him at one of the UFO congresses, and then I took this like route back. 
Um, Dave Childress and a couple other people wanted to go check out the lava tubes in, uh, in the Mojave Desert. So we went out there. I think Walter Bosley and I and Childress and his wife and a couple other people, we went out looking at the lava tubes. And then we kind of split up, and I went to Baker, you know, which is that place you stop at to go to Vegas, if people know, going from L.A. to Vegas. Um, yeah. I just went in a Denny's or something there, and he was in there. And, he, I, and one of us said, hey. And we sat down and just had, had dinner at like 10 at night. And Jordan Maxwell just happened to be there. We had a nice talk, but that's the last time I talked to him, and that was probably 10 years ago or more. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, any other I, pros? I, I forgot so that he I. died, and I missed him. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I do too. I I missed him before he died. Not like I'm not trying. <laughs> I'm not trying to one up you, but you know what I'm saying. It's like it was like I yeah, said. It's like he passed away. It was like yeah. Where the hell has Jordan Maxwell been the last ten years? Like shit. Yeah, um, it's, yeah it's the Abe Vigoda effect. <laughs> and the other guy who passed away is Butch Witkowski, who's uh, he was the director of UFO research for. Research Center of Pennsylvania. Not many people may know him, but he was on Banal of America. We talked about uh, – he was into human well, – <laughs> he researched. I don't know if you – I wouldn't say he was into them. Uh, he researched human mutilations, sort of like a an offshoot of uh, cattle mutilations. Um, so that was kind of his bag, and he was on Banal of America uh, probably quite a while ago because it was quite a while ago that <laughs> we – did a lot of shows. So, uh, but yeah, back back like ten years ago or something. The Todd C's case. Anyone who knows about the Todd C's case, which is a some guy they found like all mutilated, and, and they think it was, uh, you know, they think it, it was, was UFOs aliens. or something. I'm not it was yeah. aliens, but it was aliens. Yeah. Yeah, it was a little almost like a precursor to like the. I'm sure he covered it, but but like the David Politis stuff. It always kind of struck me yeah. as like, yeah. My, my remembrance of what which Witkowski is, he was kind of cantankerous. <laughs> uh, in any dealing I had with him or somebody else that he just seemed kind of very hard to get along with. I, I hope I hope that's the, the, the right person. No, no <laughs> knock on him or anything, but that's the only thing I can think of, remember about him in that name. Right, right. Um, so I think that's it. I did want to mention, because we – the last year's year in review was thrown together as haphazardly as this year's uh, version. And we did not mention <laughs> Jeff Ritzman at the end of last year's show. And he was a dear yeah, friend of the program. I think as he had passed away really early in the year. Um, yeah. And, and I did, I did want to mention Jeff cause uh, he, he is another guy who's like supremely missed. He would be great in these times, these weird UFO times. It would be really interesting to hear his take on this stuff. Although he had kind of like, he had dropped out of all of it by the time, uh, well, I yeah, think he would have come back. He got away but. from it, but he was writing another book, which I don't know if he was finished with or not, because he said he was going to send me a copy of it so that I could help, like read it for him or proofread it or something. And yeah. then he passed away. So I don't know what happened to that book. I used to talk to him at least once every month or two, and we'd talk for like an hour or two about all kinds of right. stuff. So I never met him, but we were, I mean, I would have considered him a friend. And I thought he, I thought what he said was, was well-considered and wise and showed a lot of insight. He, one time I, I was talking about, we were, I was talking about, you know, getting involved um, with the phenomenon in a way where you could experience it yourself. Because I think that's one of the only ways you can really, 
understand what's going on is to have your own experience. And so he told me what to do to do that. And something did happen, but it was really small. But something happened. He just told me to sit down and meditate about what I might want to happen at a quiet place that wasn't right in the middle of the city. So when I was house-sitting, I did that. And on the second or third night of doing this, I heard this strange noise behind me that sounded like an insect. But when I turned my head, just the, the, the sound would stop. Um, it sounded like, an in, like this clicking insect noise, and I could only hear it when my head was at a certain angle. It was very strange. Um, but, yeah, I think he was on my show once or twice. I'm sure. Was he, wasn't he on Vidal of America? Oh, yeah, a bunch of times. I was on his different shows. So, yeah. We, okay, yeah, I was just on hit with him and, and uh, uh, Jeremy Vaney. And Vaney. They did, uh, yeah, I used to yeah. talk to him a lot. It's, you know, it's... So yeah, I really do miss him a lot. Lot of lot of great insight. Plus he was he was somebody I guess only you would understand this in a way, but um, well only you would understand this in a way. But he was somebody who I would call like I call you all the time. So it's like we would talk every couple of weeks, every few weeks. Sometimes it would go for months, like when he kind of dropped out of the scene a lot. Um, Yeah, but we talked. We would. It would be sort of like, hey, what are you doing? You up? Let's chat. You know, those kind of conversations that I have with, yeah. like, a very small yeah. handful of people. Um, yeah. But he was one of them, and he's definitely yeah. – uh, and you could talk for, like, hours. So, like, I remember I would talk to him, and we would talk yeah. for, like, two, two hours. And it would be like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, we did the same um, thing. I got yeah. – I learned so much from him. Um, I wish he was around. Yeah, that's I mean, the, I, I would I, – I would have him consult on the tarot deck because I'm sure he would be interested. Oh yeah, he was a fantastic artist too. He was a uh, yeah, he was an exceptional too. artist. Yeah, he, do, yeah, he did. I remember he went online and he was doing Star Wars art and he would just do it live while he was doing it. I go right now. Yeah. I'm going to put some shading in on Luke Skywalker here, and I watched a couple of those. It was kind of fascinating. Um. So yeah. So that's the that's the in memoriam. Uh, what do we have uh I guess all that's left really now is the uh is what's next for the year, I guess. So I mean it's hard to really I don't know. Everything seems so up in the air and tumultuous ever since the pandemic and everything. <laughs> so it's like you'll see more UFO stuff. Um you know, but who knows what could happen. Like anything anything could happen. I have I have less certainty about sort of I mean, we didn't even really talk about ghosts and all that stuff. It just didn't really seem to – nothing really stood out to me this year as particularly, like, noteworthy with that. Um, you know, it, it, it just seems like everyone's kind of just keeping on nowadays. Yeah, when you're saying this, I I, I get the feeling that some other cryptid will be, like, the stand-up, and like maybe the dog man or something like that. People won't be as excited about Bigfoot. Maybe something else is going to rear its head and be be the fad this year. Uh, UFOs, yeah, I'm I'm with you. I mean, it's just going to kind of plod along because the government thing is just kind of it's it's played itself out. Whatever it needed to do when this started, I made this prediction. I think on somebody's show, maybe yours. I was like, it's going to do what it needs to do, and when it's done, it's going to fade away, whether it's successful or not. And all we're going to know is that there was a bump in the road where the government said they were interested in in the subject for a while. Because yeah, it was for I a purpose think that has that that's you know that's not disclosed it's for something else for some mission. Right, and when that right. mission is finished, it will be stopped. It already kind of has slowed down. 
who hears from Luella yeah, Bondi anymore? Not too many people. No, not really. Not really. Um, He's kind yeah, of dropped I mean, it'll off be interesting a bit. To see what comes out of this omnibus or whatever the hell it is. Uh, the You know, all these sort of new things they want them to do. But it's, again, yeah, it's <coughs> it's plotting and it ultimately culminates in some report. And the report's never aliens. So it's at some point I think people are going to get, get tired of, you know, the the public I think will just get tired of this. There'll kind of be more and more people like who have my attitude where it's just like just just fucking enough with this shit. Is it aliens or not? You know. So um but yeah, maybe some other cryptid will come along. Something will come along to capture the imagination of people. It seems like um yeah, I think it feels like maybe yeah, that fire that that surrounded UFOs is maybe getting sucked in by all the government shit so it's <laughs> not as uh not not necessarily throwing the public as much but every time something happens they still roll out that tic-tac video so you know we'll see yeah there's always some bizarre shit that happens you know like who knows so it could be we could be sitting here next year talking about how it was like the summer of the cattle mutilations or something like that Right, and we, we we couldn't really tell Could you that be. now because we don't know here and there over the last couple of years. Yeah, I mean it's it's kind of reared its head in, regionally. Like I think there was one in Oregon earlier this year or something. Yeah, uh, um, a, a bunch of cattle mutilations, uh, a, a a flap, I guess. Yeah, it's everything hangs on. You know, you you just wait to see. We're at the mercy of the phenomenon, whether it's Bigfoot, ghosts, anything else. It's like it, somebody has to be in the right place at the right time to for something to happen usually or, uh, you know, they'll, something will get caught on video or whatever. And It's like that dog. It's like the dog, man. It's like we, no one could have – like we never would have even guessed like a dog – like that would be the biggest sort of creature story of the year. So who knows? Yeah. You know? I hope I hope it gets even crazier though, you know? Well, you always and, for that. I mean, it's, it's yeah. entertaining if nothing else. As exactly. My friend Skyler said when people were making fun of <laughs> Travis Walton, she said, or trying to bring him down, she said, I don't care if he was telling the truth or not. I was entertained. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, yeah, so we'll see, you know, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Uh, trying to think if uh, the lady <laughs> – yeah, the lady who the lady who was supposed to meet the aliens in the cave. I think that was supposed to happen at the end of 2021, but she's, we still haven't gotten any cave aliens. So, in case anyone was wondering about that, um, so now yeah, that's about it. So, what's going on with you? You got your tarot deck, uh, your group's tarot deck coming out soon. Should be uh, like in like maybe a month or so. Yeah, about a month. We've got the cards printed. The boxes will be printed this week along with the booklets that go in the boxes. I am waiting for my proof of the book so I can check that out. And if that's approved, we'll go ahead with that. And we're printing posters. And so all that is going to be mailed out to the Kickstarter supporters probably sometime next month because Miguel has to come and visit and sign a bunch of stuff because a lot of the Kickstarter supporters um, paid extra money to have things signed. All the boxes will be numbered. What we're getting, we're we're printing, I think, 500 of them, and we've got about 300 ordered. So we've got a little extra for people that that didn't, that missed the Kickstarter. And what the deck yeah. is is um, uh, people 
people from ufology represented as the archetypes of the, the tarot deck. So, you know, cause, uh, so the magician is Jacques Vallée, and, and the lovers are Betty and Barney Hill, and the devil is Phil Claps, and, you know, uh, the fool is Whitley Strieber, who picked it himself, so don't, don't get mad at me. Um, so it, it, it's uh, Carl Lorenzen's in there, Stan Friedman's in there. So basically, it's a really opinionated version of um, of the history of ufology of who us in the group, uh, Miguel and, and and Josh Cutchin and, and Susan Demeter and, and Dave Metcalf and I considered it pe- people the people to be, you know, the people that laid the foundations for for things. Well, there you go. Another big question. Yeah, we've talked about. I think I think everybody listening honestly uh, is familiar with the. With the tower, okay, you're doing I a very good job of selling it. This is the this is the part that I'm sure you are going to get asked, have been, and will be, because like it's it was done backwards in a way, but in the modern way it was done. It was done crowdsourced, so people already bought it. They're going to get it at yeah. the end of the month. Now I'm sure, because I'm sure like you just described it, it's awesome, and like I'm sure some of the people listening are like, how can I get it, right? So are you guys gonna <laughs> make it available post. Kickstarter? Yeah. Once we send out the the stuff to the Kickstarter people, um, I will fire up the website, which I have parked already, and we will say there's a, you know, there's a limited number available for people that want to buy, and they will probably be more expensive than if you did the Kickstarter, which is unfortunate. They should be. But, um, hey, they yeah. should be. Us Kickstarters, you know. <laughs> I, I Kickstarted it, so... You know. Yeah. So it's uh, and so it's it's just going to be it, it'll be more expensive one because um, you missed it I guess but mostly because we've only got a limited number of them. I could I can't just go and print like ten more. I got to yeah, print yeah, you know yeah. a, a, I got to print at least like two or three hundred of them which is it's not cheap. So um, the Kickstarter actually covered fairly well what the people paid for it. But to, 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 to have these extras that weren't paid for and uh, to make up for some of the – we might come in at a slight loss, depending on what's going on. But it would be nice to make up that loss with some of these extra decks and books we're going to have printed. So they will be available, yes. There you go. And nobody's going to be disappointed. I mean, I, I went and picked up the cards, and I just about I just about pooped my pants. They look so good. And they're, they're nice. They've got a matte finish on them. They slide over each other really nicely, and they're – Exact size of tarot cards; they fit in your hand well, and so it, it's it's a really it's a it's not only is it a, a tarot set; it's a it's a practical tarot set. It's a history of ufology, a very opinionated history of ufology, and it's an art piece. It's a it's a it's an art project. So it's all these things. Yeah. <coughs> and, um, and Miguel did an amazing job with the artwork. I mean, I'm still stunned when I look at them. And beyond that, what do you have going on? I'm writing something that I'm still working on and struggling with, and but I've made some breakthroughs recently. So sometimes this will release an ask you the same question I get all the time. Are you going to start podcasting again? I still am. I've just put up a, 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 ah. a interview with Chris Aubeck. Before that, I had an interview with Klaus, Klaus Savon from the Archives of the Unexplained in Sweden. And I've got oh, three good. more interviews coming up in, within the next month or so. Um, Excellent. Just happened to be all, all with women, actually. So 
expect something to look forward to, too, and some of it's not as UFO-oriented and some of it is. So well, I am still going. It's just that I put them up when I feel like it, which is could be right, weeks right. apart or months apart or days apart. I never, I never know. It's just when I, I say, oh, I'm I should really talk to yeah. this person. Yeah, I yeah, really yeah. want to talk to this person. Okay, let's do a show. So that, it's hard to I get into the like. schedule. Like I did it for a while, a couple of years ago, and it's it's yeah, kind of grueling. Too. I hated it. After a yeah. while, you're just like, Jesus, I don't have anybody this week. And people that do that, you know, they'll call you up like at the last minute. Could you fill in? And yeah. Like, what are you doing it every week for? But I guess people, you know, they they have an audience that gets used to seeing something new every week. So I, <laughs> by not doing anything for months at a time for a while, it, it's kind of. Uh, I lost a lot of my audience, but I don't care because they come back and listen. And I've got everything. Exactly. Uh, yeah. When I, put the, when, I put, when I put the show up, it goes up on iTunes and a few other places. And I've never wanted to put it on YouTube, but I'm still considering it. And i gotta, I got to see if I can get it on Spotify and a couple other places, too. There you go. Well, I'll, if, I'll instead of the old style where I say goodbye, I, I'll just wrap it up with the people. Yeah, so people wondering what I'm doing. Uh yeah. We 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 got the whole archive of shows uh, switched over to a different host, um, so that's good. And that's this host is more uh, more uh, friendly to podcasting, um, so they they have all the shit needed to get it onto. All the different places it needs to be for people to listen. Because, like, when Greg and I started, it was like he just went to the website and got the show. Like, there was no – now it's like, oh, you got to be on Spotify and iTunes, and what about the people that listen using Horsecock? And it's like, I don't even – what is Horsecock? It's fucking how you get podcasts, man. It's like, I don't – how do I get on that? Like, all right, so they'll they'll put me on all these different – Things so that's good, I guess. And then they have a thing. I'll let you know how this goes. Maybe you might want to. Maybe you might want to try it. But uh, they have a. I think they have a thing where you can get it to for them to just take your podcast and put it on fucking YouTube like at a push of a button, with, without me having to do anything. So if that's possible, then I may just dump the whole archive onto YouTube as well. So that's what's going on, and I'm in. I wouldn't. I wouldn't call it consultation. It's. It's my buddy Adam Sane uh, from Conspiracy Normal. He's sort of giving me advice on how to essentially just run Banal of America the same way they do, where we would do a show like this. Hopefully, will be the last show ever on Blog Talk, because uh, I'm hoping to switch to Streamyard. And then that'll be able to broadcast just on Facebook and on YouTube live whenever we want to go live. So, but oh. I don't have. I mean, it's all this shit's too complicated, man. It's like I, I'm just, I'm just looped. You and I are looped into a a phone bank on Blog Talk right now. It's a lot easier. But I'm sure once I get going on Streamyard, I'll be, and that'll be. It won't be over the phone anymore. It'll be a new, a new era for Banal of America. So. We'll see. I'm hoping that that will get my creative juices flowing a little bit more as far as the podcast goes, and uh, we can we'll start doing more shows. That'd be great. I think a lot of people need yeah. your shows. I know I do. So I miss yeah, doing them. I miss doing again. them. Yeah, yeah. I need to find a time and 
when it when it really is going to work for me and, and, and get it going again, because I did miss it a lot during the holidays. It was odd not to have a holiday show this year, but, but anyway, uh-huh. so yeah, that's what's going on up in all of America. Uh, stay tuned, folks. Uh, and that's about it. So thanks for doing another year in review. Part of me feels like I'm, we're missing some major story that, like, uh, yes, there was a war in Ukraine, but we that really doesn't have much to do with us. So, you know, I think that I think that covers everything from uh Well, there, from there, were, there were Ukrainian scientists talking about um uh, 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 uh astronomers talking about uh UFO sightings and their data. Um I heard about that. Yeah, I heard about um, that too, yeah. I think that I th- I think they had Galileo project. Um but yeah, no, but I think that I don't think we missed anything of the paranormal uh, you know, like like they didn't solve Bermuda Triangle or something, and I didn't I didn't remember it. Um, <laughs> I <Right>. hope. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, thanks for doing another year in review, brother. And uh, once I get this operation up and running, then we'll we we got to do a show. We have to do a non-year in review show. I don't think you and I have done one of those like in years. So we no, uh, no, we got we got to do one of those. Okay, yeah. cool. Uh, I've been meaning I, – I told you this at Paramania, the original Paramania, like fucking seven years ago, that it was like I need to reread Project Beta. It's been like 20 years now probably or something like that, 15 years since I read it. So once I mm-hmm. – once I would love to reread it now with everything I know now and everything that's happened since then and, and do like a deep dive show on that. That would be fun. Um, yeah, sure. We'll see. Yeah. Once I get things up and running, we'll uh, – but thank you again for doing this, and uh, to all the folks who listened, thank you very much, and stay tuned for more uh, wacky antics from